a witch. This is not the Christmas episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's around around Christmas night, but don't uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. This this happened like like two hours before we started recording. Yeah, but it is it is corrupted my uh, Twitter feed. Holiday bonus roundup. It is 52, so. Where we cover yeah. all the non-important news. The unimportant? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you're doing this thing where you're like, okay, there's like the really important show, and then there's like the not important yeah. show. <laughs> like, and it's, it's like, it's triggering me. <laughs> Quit. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But these aren't as important as the other things we're talking about. Yeah, no, but, but like every show is important. Like, yeah, no, from thing. our it's perspective, like, yes. We were just talking about how like politics d- down is downstream yes. of culture. Like this, you're, you're doing you're doing the political staffer thing that always annoys me about political staffers. It's like I don't want to do culture stuff. Yes, like, and no, I'm not. Actually, what I'm doing here, Kyle, is that I actually care about some things, and I think some things are more important than others. Yeah, but, but like the I'm thing not, is, I'm not, I'm not the saying, general cultural ethos matters. Yes, is what I'm saying, I'm not saying and that's it the, that's the purpose of the show is like understanding that there's a balance that exists here. Right? Yes, totally yeah. agree. Yeah, but you're you're downplaying everything we're I doing do right to, now. I do get to have my priorities on what I think is important. But, like, I'm just saying, like you're Gay you're, you're, you're very much like having a pessimistic attitude on all things culture lately. It seems like every time we're talking about it. Like no. that, that's why that's no, why it's 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 feeling that way. I'm sorry you feel right that now. way. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to put off that vibe. Actually, I wanted to do the culture mm-hmm. show for that reason. That said, some things in culture seem more important than others, and also the the, the things we covered were important. It felt like to me that's why they rise to the top of the list. As far as like giving people the feeling that they actually know what's going on in the country. Well, hey, look. I mean, we've made it 52 episodes without there being a real fight at the table, and I think well, we let's just not put that had in the our episode. first <laughs> one. Let's not put that in the show. It's like Daddy just had mommy at the dinner table <laughs> while trying to eat. Still, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have silent dinner. Wait, who's, who's Daddy between That's for you two to sort out. That's <laughs> the staffer. Yeah, we'll, we'll close you two in the Senate chambers. Wait, are, are you guys the kids? Is that what? <laughs> what's yes. happening? we're the redheads. We're adopted. That's right. Uh, <laughs> no one loves us either. Do you guys need to hug or something? Or No, no, no. Th- this is a frustration I have with political people in general. They tend to have this attitude, and I feel it. I yeah. feel it. Yeah, he's feeling I'm, it. I'm taking the heat of how he feels about other people right oh. now <laughs> as much as about me. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he knows that I don't actually believe that. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because <laughs> this is such a good episode so far. No. <laughs> there's like this like vitriol feeling and you, and you can feel it in like the way that they talk about things where it's like whenever something like some sort of cultural attitude happens, there's like, like there's, it feels like, and that's an exaggerate. Like I'm being hyperbolic with sure. it, but like you can sense it, you can sense it in them. All right. Sure. And, and like, and it, it's not just you, it's like actually just like at large, I see it all the time uh, with, because like I'm friends with all the political people, right? Like, so I see it all the time. Do you think um, that this translates to the general, feeling that the political class in general is sort of out of touch with the people like they they almost disdain Somewhat, yeah. the There's like cultural that. elements that that the the plebs like think are important in a sense well it's a two-way street right so the plebs think plebs are like i don't need to know what's in the national defense authorization act that's all held by those lofty whatever whatever's right and they're right, like right. no this is really important i'm trying to get you to understand this like this is how most of the mainstream press feels about coverage of anything of, of substance, right? I mean, if you talk about guys, a lot of people died in Ukraine and people are like, eh, I don't care. What about Taylor Swift? She, she's with the football player now. Did you know that? And, <laughs> and like, that's understandable from their point of view. I get that. 
on the other side of it, I also get that there's a substantial amount of people who they don't they don't care what that we failed in the National Defense Authorization Act on important things, right? That there was like almost something good happened, but it didn't happen. They want to be told when something good happens, right? Or when something really bad's happened. Now, mm. like not like that. And that's the sense in which I understand like the criticism of the political class, or at least of um the decision to cover that from that angle, right? Because mm-hmm. it seems important to me, but might not be important to everyday people. And and if if you take the attitude, especially as like if you're like a political person, and you're just like only what I do matters is, and it's because of like this policy is getting through and now marginal tax rates are different. Like, like you're missing the broader point of like large sociological change of an entire country, like of a, of a nation of 350 people, of 350 million people. Like you're missing, like what ends up happening is you end up missing like the forest for the trees. If you are dismissing all of the nonsense, right. As they would tend to put it. A good example is trade for a very long time. Trade was an issue in DC. That was largely a consensus issue. It took DC by complete surprise when Donald Trump came out with a protectionist point of view and it was tremendously popular. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because there's like, they're not seeing what's happening to normal people and like the way they're interpreting it, right? They saw Ross Perot kind of come and go. It's kind of a flash in the pan, but the largely DC consensus just ruled the day. And then they actually took a real loss in their field. Yeah. So uh, the protectionists are wrong, right? But that means that you pay attention to what normal people think about everyday things and how they're interpreting the world. Cause otherwise you, you know, you can get bad policy. Absolutely. Well, and, it, it, and that's like the lesson that elites should learn that culture does matter. And like the way people interpret their world matters. Yeah. Well, and also I think that this is a big thing. This, this is something that causes divisions and like, you know, we all kind of exist in the libertarian sphere of things. This is actually where I think what many of the problems lie uh, between like the establishment libertarian class and like the grassroots libertarian class, like the Dave Smith's on part of the problem podcast versus like the Cato people is the Cato people have this very like culture doesn't matter type of vibe to them. And they just want to like hyper left brain focus about policy where like the reason why Dave Smith's podcast is so popular is that he doesn't get super deep into all the nuances of things, but he's, he's, he's taking political stuff and kind of broadening it much more for like with a cultural lens too, of like, you have like a comedian talking about these things um, and making it much more digestible to the regular person. So it's like, how do you get the audience? Right. And, and I think that's actually where a lot of the butting of heads between like the grassroots types versus like the elite institution think tank types are, it's like not even necessarily what they believe um, from a government policy perspective, it's like how they approach it mm. <laughs> tends to be the problem there. Mm-hmm. And one is one seems to be much more of a cultural view versus a non-cultural view in my eyes, or like from a, uh, Ian McGilchrist, uh, master and his emissary psychology point of view, it'd be like a left brain versus a right brain yeah. type of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think about it differently. Yeah. I mean, if only because in this case, Cato is a, they're a think tank for government officials. They are, they issue, think tank papers for policymakers yeah thank you so much for joining us episode 52 human reaction podcast this is our holiday uh bonus smorgasbord roundup episode uh a year ago just about a year ago january we set out to start a podcast we wanted to do an episode a week this is number 52 we've done an episode a week cheers guys one goal accomplished and thank you so much for watching and before we get too far into it i want to know from you those of you watching on youtube elsewhere do you think the political class is out of touch with everyday people does that manifest itself in the way that they think about cultural issues that matter to the rest of americans 
the rest of the citizens of the world. Um, we're going to be diving into a bunch of different cultural issues. David, you can line out a few of them, but of course we don't know what we're going to get to. So we're, <laughs> we're not going to make any promises. Well, yeah, sure. Well, the Biden and White House did issue a video that has become very consequential. There's a lot of dialogue about the aesthetic choices, who they chose to do it, what it kind of means, especially in contrast between like the vision for America, what vision for like how to treat Christmas. Uh, and then uh, Alex Jones was unbanned from Twitter or X. And we got other stuff, including starting out, Vivek Ramaswamy calls Jake Paul's knockout in the last boxing match. And it's it's a really interesting like connection with the you sort of thing. We got a clip for it to start it out with? Yes, here we go. What's up, brother? Oh, shit. What up, bro? Good to see you, man. How are you? Ready to roll Let's fucking go. Good. Let's yeah, do it. Oh, it's Welcome good, buddy. Fun, I'm bro. pretty pumped up. <laughs> well, robots like this, yes, bro. That's the problem bot right there. Yeah, I love that, man. Bro, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so this this uh, Jake Paul Vivek rom- bromance is uh, kind of interesting. And we end up having Vivek saying that this is going to be a first round knockout. Let's Let's go, Jake Paul. And then he comments also, now let's see if we're right about what's going to happen in 2024. Another knockout incoming. Young voters are the key. Because he called it right. You got yeah, a first round knockout. And, and what we have here is we were just watching this before we, as we were getting set up. We have Jake Paul gets a knockout right here. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Where the head snaps back like that, you're just like, oh. <laughs> and, and so th- there's 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 some interesting stuff there because like you know we've covered on the podcast before. Um, there was there's always there was the TikTok controversy between Vivek and Nikki Haley and how Vivek shouldn't be going to the youths on TikTok and then Vivek calls her out like your daughter's on TikTok. What are you doing? Uh, right. But like you end up having there's like this like cultural influence that Vivek is going through. It's, he's not going through the, the the standard means of campaigning right now. He's very much going into like all these in- influencer spheres. So, yeah. What do you guys feel about this? I mean, I think it's I think it's really smart. I mean, you you see Vivek in so many ways taking notes, I think, out of the Trump playbook, where obviously we noted Trump at a UFC fight with Dana White and, Kid Rock, uh, and Kid Tucker Rock, Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson looked like a ham in that. Did you see that video? <laughs> yeah. He walks out and he's like, <laughs> he's like, this is the first one I've ever been to. I'm so happy to be here. I've never seen that guy that lit up about anything ever. Yeah. It was hilarious. Well, he got some interviews out of that because I did, I did watch the Dana White interview, which was like 10 minutes long, yeah. uh, be right before the event happened. So, um, I mean, and I think it's a brilliant thing, right? To be, to be seen uh, with really popular internet figures. Uh, I mean, obviously Kid Rock is sort of like maybe past his prime or whatever, but like Tucker Carlson, How Dana dare. White's huge. How dare you? Sorry, kid. Ball Rock. with the ball. Eh. This is this is the this is past his prime. Although I think he's going on tour Cowboy again, so you can baby? go. You can go check. Come it on, out. man. These are American classics of Americana. F- I feel like his popularity came back up after the Bud Light thing. Too, <laughs> yeah, that's true. When when he did take his uh, his machine gun I have to no idea what album he's released. I I named two songs from the early two thousands. So you're not you're you're right. You got me you're beat right. by at least two songs. Th- th- there oh, there was definitely a point in time where listen me- to fish. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, well, and other not stuff. Not exactly your tunes. <laughs> there was definitely a time where me and a bunch of other people working in politics when I was working in politics uh, at the time we're all sitting around the table like should we send our resumes into kid rock senate campaign <laughs> <laughs> yes that would be such a fun campaign to be a part of oh, i can't even imagine 
No, I mean, I, th- I think it's brilliant. Vivek is obviously like he's the Internet's candidate. We've seen it in all the clips that we put on the Internet. We've noted it in other clips of his versus other candidates from the debates like his just do better. And he, he has a lot of it seems like a lot of grassroots support from young people. So whether or not he does well in this primary or not. Like, I think the dude's a contender for, for many cycles to come. What do you think? Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's sort of like the Van Jones clip we played um, the, a few episodes back where it's like, oh, he's got 50 years. Unlike Trump, he's got 50 years to spew his vo- vile poison. And that's really the play here is like, yeah. I'm also seeing a lot of like the just general conservative punditry. They're all saying like, you know, Vivek's not going to win, but I really want to see him in the, in the White House administration. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's what I've always felt like. He's going to end up being some sort of like czar of cleaning up the deep state or or something like that, you know, if Trump gets elected and it seems like there's a kind of a, a relationship that's existing there between the two. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that ends up going. The but, swamp yeah. janitor. But like overall, it's just, it is just interesting to see. It's like new style of, and it's not just Vivek doing this. Like we've seen it in the past where like Tulsi Gabbard would go on like podcasts, you know, she's like a regular on Joe Rogan. RFK does the podcast circuit because he's not allowed anywhere because of, you know, vaccine stuff. Right. And it's just like, everything's changing everything sort of like what we were talking about last episode there's like we're in like this this transition period where everything's changing in a direction right now and it's like we're like in the middle of it it yeah. feels like and things like how campaigns work is one of those things right for sure and that's why that's why vivek will probably lose because yeah. he's too young doing things that are you know will be mainstream politicking six years from now yeah like he's probably you know like the unfortunate nature of vivek despite like i've said on the podcast many times he's probably my favorite candidate of my adult life that i've experienced i i I wasn't there for ron paul every time it hurts my feelings just a little bit i I, I I know what you're gonna say next i know you're gonna say except i I know i wasn't there for ron paul i'm sorry guys ah, i'm sorry guys he's but these children these days but (laughs) there there is also an element like you know, there's a viral clip of him going around talking about like his Hindu faith. He was asked about in this t- town hall. Like there is this thing is he, he might be too young, too brown and too Hindu for the Republican primaries right now. Yeah. Like, how, yeah, yeah, how, yeah, how dare, how dare me? Like, <laughs> I, I think that's unfortunate. Cause like he's, he's super good in my opinion. Yeah. Right? And this, this he's like, a, he's like a nine out of 10. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2020, in 2018, there were 52 million people age 65 and older. Right. So we are now, you know, five years past that. So they're now looking at 70 and older and the next, the average age lifespan is about 85. So that's going to be substantially more difficult. That baby boomer generation is going to have a, is going to not going to be as big of part of the electorate in the next six years. So that's why I say six years from now mm-hmm. it's, you're going to cross that medium pattern where there's going to be a very different electoral, you know, demographic when it comes to internet fluency uh, and what's going to outreach and it's going to be the death of cable news mm. as a, as a, as an impact of that. And then it's going to be the rise probably of more campaign politics. Now, Ron Paul was the first internet candidate. That really? People missed that. Yeah, oh I yeah. Agree. He had the first money bomb, first money bomb with the greatest amount of money raised in a single day was Ron Paul in 2008. Uh, he did, he broke it again in 2012, but, and it was number of uh, donors and across, you know, the total amount. Raised on the internet. That was the important part. It's been crushed now since Obama and other folks, but he was really the first one. Yeah, to break he's, the he's like the there. pioneer. And then like the Obama camp really like kind of like formalized everything. It's yep. like, yeah, social media is a yep. thing. And then Trump just using sheer celebrity and, and, uh, and uh, like Twitter influence was like an- another step. And now it's just like, yeah, it's just what you do. Well, and, and, we're seeing, and, the, and the old consultant class are not like getting it really. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I think is, is great. I mean, let them, let them fade into irrelevance. 
uh, if possible, sooner than later. <laughs> well, well, it's just going to change. There's going to be a different set of consultants, and they're going to be consultants on how to get you into the boxing match with the right celebrity. Right. right. It's just going to change yeah. from I buy television news points, and I know all the people at Fox News, to I know Jake Paul and the equivalent in six years. The well, social and, currency and, and the, changes. The generational yeah. shift of just like, you know, like the boomers will be dying out and the previous generation before that, what is that? The silent generation? Is, yeah. that, is that what they're called? Um, like they're going to be dying out and what that just causes is a technology shift yeah. because like the core demographic of who your voter base is, is like white suburban women <laughs> that are like, like older women, right? Or older boomers. And like, they're going to be they're going to be increasingly less relevant. So, do we think that um, that demographic is who the White House was trying to appeal to with their latest little Christmas video? They I put don't on? know who they're trying <laughs> to appeal to here. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I know who they're trying to appeal to. Who? Uh, obviously, inner city progressives. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why, why would you say that? Well, I, I, that's how I interpret using my right brain. Uh, this. <laughs> This particular no, this, would be, this would be a left brain phenomenon. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm trying I to use the wrong words. <laughs> that would be a- well, I'm trying to apply one to the other, but I just my intuition about this is that this would be appealing to, you know, like a culturally affluent like progressive from an from uh, a city. Let's watch it and you tell us in the comments if this video appeals to you. Yeah, I have plenty of thoughts. <laughs> Do I start commenting on fashion now or do I wait till the end? <laughs> I think you can interrupt. I mean, there's no lyrics. It's just tap dancing. So it's just a lot going on. I just okay. Is like it just me or is the big mouth thing Whoa. creepy? Oh, that is creepy. I don't know what's going on there. Well, I mean, I, I can see it's like a vaudeville sort yeah, of thing. It's a, it's a no, show no, tune. No, I mean the, the big mouth. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got nut, Nutcracker it's, outfits. It's really good tap and, uh, dancing from this point. This actually gets pretty good right here. Oh, yeah. Slay. Slay. Slay, queen. Oh, I like it. It's, it's really good tap dancing. Are you a tap dancing critic? No, I'm just saying I I like the beat. I think it's, it seems well done. He's just like, I know tap dancing. When I see good tap dancing, I approve. <laughs> the man knows his tap dancing. This dude's outfit, though. It's like, what is Christmas about this? Wow, that was that was a nice little flourish there. And then it's like woman in business suit. Is this a statement? But she has a candy can. Yeah. Oh, it's Christmas, man. So it's obviously it's like a Nutcracker theme, right? I mean, it's that's it's why fun. that guy's dressed like that. It's fun. It's fun. That's what they're hard for. It, there's like. Okay, what so, is that guy in the chick? Sorry, person in the suit. Fur- the furries, rat king. Furries are taking over the warehouse. <laughs> you know what? That gives me super like Rockefeller vibes, where you see those photos of them like in their like masks, well, like super Illuminati party vibes. Isn't like the thing of the Nutcracker? The Rat King is like the villain. Or oh, whatever. I think that's, that's what, what it is. is. Oh yeah, it's just because I'm not cultured. That's so th- all. This is where it gets cringy to me. So I'm like, why are they in a carpeted room for a tap dancing video? I don't. And then like it just clips it's to the this. White House, I mean, but they're not tapping right now. It'd be funny if they put the tap dancing in, though. <laughs> Do you think these people work at the White House? No, no, no. This, this they is hired, a patron. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, That's a professional dance um, dance yeah. team. Uh, I forget what the the, the troop is called. You know, it reminds me Just of. Do, do you remember a couple years back? It was during COVID. 
when the uh, uh, Bloomberg, no, was it Bloomberg? It was in New York, um, put out this like, we need to have, you know, bring back culture during these hard times. And then they just had like street performers and they like put tax, a ton of taxpayer dollars towards, mm. towards like all these street performers. And everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Gas has gone up like two X. <laughs> you know, like, it reminds me of that. <laughs> uh, so, interesting story. You know, are you aware that the national recovery acts funded a substantial amount of art development during the great depression? I did not. Yeah. Like a lot of the art that you see from the era is actually paid or buy tax, do- tax dollars in the National Recovery Act. It's like a progressive thing. It's like um, the the core problem behind the economy is just how we're not together enough. And so if we create a good art, it would bring us together and allow us to forge through this challenge. Does Re- that make sense? Revive the national soul kind of thing, right? It's yeah. what... How fascistic is that? Right? <laughs> yeah. like, hey, like, it was very Woodrow Wilson. Too. Wait, like, you take that very... language, you import that in, you give it an Italian accent. You're Mussolini, bro. Like 100%. you're right there. Like, and that's, but that's the underlying, I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times, so I don't want to get into it, but that's the progressive ethos, right? As a cultural expression. Sure. So obviously the internet has all the opinions on this thing. Uh, on the right, you've got people noting that the dance troupe has some ties to, you know, some radical leftist opinions and things like that. Um, I, I, I couldn't find the, um, where it referenced who they actually are on the left. You've got people saying, Oh, Republicans are freaking out that black people are dancing in the white house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and well, then, that's and then, unfair though. Isn't it unfair? Well, I, I think it's, a, that's of course a straw man. Unless you're love. actually saying, I don't like that they're black, but they're not. They're, I mean, obviously it's saying like, there's something weird about the aesthetics here. There's some, and that's just cultural commentary at that sure. point. It's just like, I don't like something about this. Like what it, how it treats Christmas as what so I, this I, is I'm the second sure time you've said christmas christmas like, i'm like sorry Hurry christmas yeah, the whiskey's just going <laughs> yeah. the whiskey's just going no, i actually I, have a speech impediment you know what i i knew that and i'm sorry to tease you about it thanks <laughs> we, we have our it. own protected class here on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm I think, like seneca I think, actually that's how i like to think of myself or it, who was it was it um was it seneca that was yeah. it the guy who held the the marbles the rocks in his mouth yeah. that, no that was um uh a different guy but but I, I, I am like I getting my wrong stoic philosopher? I think you're, you're uh, yeah, you're mis, you're mis stoic. Well, and, and what I mainly saw, like, like <laughs> for instance, I just I just did a search right here of um, of White House, and people are still talking about it on Twitter. And this was on the day of what I saw. Every like all the top comments were. Now this is probably algorithmically based towards me, the mm-hmm. people I follow, right? Like I follow Benny Johnson, so this is going to pop up, but there was a lot of hunger game references is what the internet and kind of what the memes around it, the meme space was. And for, if you don't know hunger games, hunger games is like a dystopian book series, movie series, etc., where it's a dystopian future of how there's all these districts around the Capitol and the Capitol is kind of like they're, they're summoning two people from each district to like compete in these gladiatorial events. Right. And everybody at the Capitol is like very out of touch with the districts and they're all like dressed up in like foo foo costumes and the and the fashion's all crazy. Joe would probably have a heyday with the fashion there. Well, right? I'm um, really pretty upset that you're mansplaining the Hunger Games to me right now. I, I just can't believe you would do we're that. We're all men here. What is happening? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bunch of dudes. Then it's mansplaining did, did by you, default. Did you transition? <laughs> what, what happened? Here? Never assume one's gender. <laughs> this is one thing I've learned this year. Um, <laughs> but you're. Not, you, you, I think what you're. It's the elitism thing, but it's like this elitism in a way that like that placates to the public in like a bread and circuses type way. 
right? to, to bring in the Roman Republic completely. kind of parallels. Yeah. And th- it's like a, the, the cultural criticism from the right best placed is probably something like this kind of treats Christmas in like a irreverent kind of way that we wouldn't prefer to see. Mm-hmm. And it kind of treats it as a way to like give you something flashy and like, haha, rather than like, dude, this is like for a lot of people, a serious time of year of like emotion of connection, not emotion of like exuberance, you know? And that's what, I mean, like I suppose to me, to me personally, like it doesn't bother me that this is how some people see Christmas uh, as much, but, but that doesn't mean that there's not like understandably good criticisms of, you know, maybe we should treat with this with some more reverence. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the right, I think uh, uh, people that are commenting on this are comparing it or juxtaposing it to the uh, the Christmas video from the Trump White House, which was very much more of that sort of sincere spirit, right? Um, different aesthetic for sure. And I mean, you know, like that's not to say that one's better or, or worse than the other. This one does seem to fall, you know, unlike this one which you can see you know if we if we want to play it you you, you see you see more of that sort of the beauty and the the serenity and and that sort of thing there's like an etherealness to it right different artistic takes yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) and and honestly it's a little bit more about the first lady which is it is kind of egoistic (laughs) i expect it to be like a mary Kay ad but this this is this is supposed to be the first lady. No, it's a lifetime right? original. One woman finds <laughs> yeah. love in the White House. <laughs> no, no, keep going. To the husband that she's married yeah, to for thirty years. It is supposed to be a first lady thing, though. The Christmas video, right? Yeah, isn't it just I like suppose. a tradition? And so there is a sense because yeah. it, it was Jill. Gonna... It was Jill Biden that put out the yeah. Nutcracker video, and putting right? someone else in front is there's a certain virtue to that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also like, um, I mean, it's got a. You got a nativity scene there, so actual nativity so, scene yeah. actually takes a nod at Jesus. Well, it's the symbolic gestures. I think is really yeah. like there, there's a whole world of like symbolic language that happens with these types of political. Unpack it for us, Kyle. Right? What's what's the symbology of this? Well, well, well I, I think <laughs> sorry. I, I, well, I think that's exactly. You got that joke? Okay, all right. What? Boondock saying symbology. Oh, I was say, symbology. You're talking symbolism. About the symbolism. Symbolism. <laughs> takes place sorry. in Boston. I obviously have to well, symbology. Well, well th- this is this is what I'm getting at, and what I think that uh, the internet is is grappling with on the hunger game references here is there's kind of this everything kind of with the white house right now is it's very much this emperor has no no clothes situation there's like something feels rotten in the state of denmark type mm. of situation right where it's like bidenomics is working right like everything's fine mm. like I, I was just I, somebody just sent me a, a screenshot of an article today that was like the internet is way overplaying how bad the economy is right like like there's there's this messaging that's going forth of like no, your your eyes are lying to you. Things aren't actually as bad as they seem, right? But like, the, and so like the internet in the meme space right now is looking at this this uh, video that comes out from Jill Biden, and it's just like it just it's it, everything. It's like there's like allusions to Hunger Games here. Like everybody's like dressed up like it's Hunger Games right now. It's like it feels well. Me in Middle America right now is not feeling too great, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the the feeling that is being portrayed here by i think that the internet is capturing yeah and it's like the, the best argument on the other side of that is is uh, well of course if things are bad what you don't want to hear is uh, a christmas story that's like hey Doom and everything's terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but merry christmas plebs that said it doesn't have to be that i mean it could be like a more sincere message well that doesn't feel as, in- as sincere is am i wrong in that it doesn't feel as sincere as like a a different aesthetic might make it feel more in line with people's expectations of how they're feeling right now because that's ultimately that's the intuitive leap, right? Mm-hmm. 
I feel like this, but this doesn't feel right for how I feel for, for how I'm dealing with well, there's reality. A, there's a cultural cognitive dissonance, I think, present between uh, how you describe people feeling versus what they're seeing messaged from the White House. There's a, it's a display of the disconnect that we talked about at the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the detachment of the political class from the actual experience of the people. Well, it's like, remember when the uh, the Biden speech happened with like the dark red and black? Yes. Remember that? And How like can Darth, I forget? And they entered, yeah, the Darth Brandon. Well, Brandon. so my understanding of this, I, I think it was Jordan Peterson who was saying that he actually talked with people in the White House and how they were actually trying to capture the symbolism around the Brandon meme and trying to be it like Darth Brandon. And they're trying to actually capture that with the speech and the vibe with it. So like, so like when, when I'm talking pres- about how there's a world of symbolism that exists here is like, you know, like people are very cognizant of this uh, of when yeah, they're to give, creating things to give the present gravitas, mm-hmm. right? If you see a man fall downstairs a bunch of times, it's hard to take him as a, a, a upstanding and aggressive leader in a world full of problems. Sure. Right. So it's the os, op, opposite symbolism to what they're going, what, what the large public impression is, right? So if you're thinking of your campaign to try to rebrand your president, you have to look at your biggest weaknesses and how to soften those weaknesses while emphasizing your strengths. Yeah. And you know, obviously Biden's biggest problem is that he's very old. He, he misspeaks a lot and stares are an impassable problem for him <laughs> or where to go on stage. Cause like he gets done <laughs> speaking <laughs> Darth Brandon, right? And you take this, like imagine for a moment. Okay. So just give yourself a second and you just think of all the moments you see, you know, Biden get done with a speech and be like, like he becomes a Roomba right <laughs> after he gets on with the speed. He's just kind of like, he's just like, <laughs> bumping into things. He's just like looking around for a way out, right? He just keeps on running into like those edges. Come on, you know, man. Detects the edges. Come on, man. Right. And so if you're like, how do I, how do I inoculate that? How do I change that impression? This is the kind of aesthetic that you might unwisely go to because it might have backfired in this case because, because no one's like looking at me like, Yep, you're right. He is. I'm definitely really pumped about this aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I think the misstep is probably that his second greatest weakness was that a lot of people saw him as a very authoritarian president or his administration as being very much this way. So to put so it feels the fascist vibes. Yeah, it just it worked perfectly. We saw it that way. You saw it that way because you're uh, you're that's my worldview. The average person's not tuned out of politics. They're just seeing small clips, like very limited impressions. Like you got to take everything you think of with this. You got to boil it down to the one percent that actually breaks through to the sure to the actual set of voter base, which is a much much larger group of people who are way less engaged in politics. And I would say this too. I I did see various different angles and various different presentations of that very speech. And very similarly to the way that the mainstream media would color correct Donald Trump to be way more orange than his actual skin tone was, <laughs> I think the conservative media went and, and made this much higher contrast and much darker than it actually was to give more of that authoritarian presence and try to paint him in an unfavorable light. So it does go it's, both it's ways. It's meme warfare, right? 100%. Like, like you have to seize the memes of production. Like that's a very, that's very much how I view it. It's in, like in that Kyle's sense. background right now. <laughs> there will be a job for you in the Vivek Ramaswamy White House as the if, if you want are. me to make memes Vivek I'm in I'll do what you need man let's get this done first Hindu elected to office <laughs> Um, oh, no, but like it, it, that is, that is the thing is like, there's, and that's, that's all memes are like, like, like the concept of a meme comes from Richard Dawkins. And it's, this, it's very much this like evolutionary idea of, of how, uh, ideas come into society. And like, 
it, it's just interesting that we named like pictures, funny pictures on the internet and memes, because like, it's very important. This is what drives human thought is like these little snippets that kind of really core down and get into a symbolic meaning in so, somewhere part in part of our monkey brain. Right. And like, that's what you need to capture if you're going to have this widespread appeal. Right. Absolutely. And I think that where a lot of people are placing this Christmas video is in the context of the other memes that they've seen around the other events that have been held at the white house and the other media that's come out, which, you know, we've, we've pulled up, you know, the, uh, for example, the, the Easter video of the guy, um, in, in a mascot costume yeah. twerking, well, right? It, it's like the, the white house just can't take a break. So like this was intentional and it didn't go great. Like, well, I th- I'm sure for the broader public, it probably went fine. It's fine. But for a certain set of the internet public, it didn't go well but at the, all. The broader public is becoming more internet based. So like, that's true. Th- that is becoming more and more of a thing. They might be underestimating that or I've overestimated. I'm not sure which, but what what's interesting they just can't catch a break out of it because you had what happened at easter which is this oh it's which isn't ready? the actual it's east a, like the philadelphia flyers mascot oh okay i'm so glad we have someone from the east coast here because yeah. i have no well, idea. thank you for I'm informing a hockey us. fan but oh you mean someone from the cia yes <laughs> wangley <laughs> yeah right so could we just stop replaying it over yeah, let's, let's <laughs> no no this, this is our life now Dave. <laughs> it's either this or the one from the pride parade oh geez and then so they had that and that that was you know obviously this wasn't an intended release but it's something that went viral after you know they put out their easter stuff which had you know quarter million views here and that's not the only version of this there's like millions of views on you know this sort of behavior happening there and then what happened with the pride parade where they you know for pride week they brought up is this safe to see i, I see boobs in the title is this safe to put out nah, they're, they're <laughs> mostly covered if, if you've got it. this on your yeah. tv in your living room and your kids are present perhaps M- more work for bennett i guess no yeah. one listens oh, to this with oh, children oh. around are you kidding me I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know that that's entirely true. I don't true. know what people do with their Man, lives. As, with as many jizz jokes as you make. Me? Yeah, you. What? How dare you? Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor of trans rights and human rights. Are we Whoops. this at the White <laughs> Yeah. Okay, they're covered. Yeah. 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 Great. It's just so, don't have to blur it. And don't blur a, it, but but also internet saw it. Yeah. Just, just be aware. <laughs> Transgender woman goes topless at the White House. And and like that became way bigger than the president's efforts to demonstrate the their acceptance of pride and give the gay community. Well, and I, I feel like it puts it does put Biden and that that White House in such a weird position that they're having to placate to these types while also being like the moderate neoliberal types you know like it's it's a very weird position i have to imagine to be in for like those people in that power structure can you imagine being joe manchin and being like in west virginia and just being like having to do that in west virginia every day yeah you know like it's gonna be so it's gonna be such a weird balancing match to like go to coal miners and be like yeah but my you know, at least number three issue is making sure the transgender people get their rights. You know, it's got to it's got to be a really weird case. Right. And I, I'm saying that with sympathy. I, 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 I don't know how him. I don't know how John Tester does in Montana. I don't know how cinema. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these kind of moderate Republican Democrats in otherwise very Republican states get, you know, do that. Well, especially if you're like a dude in your 70s or 80s. Like, yeah, like looking at it, just being like, this is where we're at now. Like, like imagine Biden, like we were just, we were playing a bunch of Biden clips earlier, right? Where he's just like, like, he's definitely not like 
in the culture on this stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, and I'm not no. even saying that there's something like that, that their policies are wrong or anything. All I'm saying is it's just gotta be weird. You yeah, know, it's no, gotta it's, be really gotta difficult. Be weird. Yeah. For somebody who's been in politics for 50 years, it's gotta be very weird. Cause yeah, like you're, you're moving, you know, the goalposts have moved quite a bit. Is that, do you think that has any part to like why he's not seeking reelection? Mansion. Yeah. It's gotta be a difficult climate, especially given the economy and be, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why cinema is an independent now. Uh, is why, you know, I, uh, we're, we're seeing more independency just happening mm-hmm. in Washington, which I, I wonder how that trend moves. I, I feel like Joe's just like ready on the cusp of something. He's like, he's, I, got, he's, he's got, he got, he this, wants to play that. He's got his grin on his face right now. <laughs> well, there's just so many directions that you could go with this con- the conversation here. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management, Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. It establishes a trend, and, and I think it's indicative of the, the theme that we end up talking about uh, you know, when we discuss these more cultural issues about the, the decline or the, the shift in culture. And nowhere is that more evident than with another uh, Congress person who is not seeking re-election, who just so happened to have <laughs> recently... <laughs> What a transition! A couple of <laughs> a couple of staffers discovered. Uh, oh, only one is a known staffer. The other person's not known. Yeah, so some some uh, some unknown person. A staffer and, and, and a staffer and an yeah, unknown and a person. A, a staffer of Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland. They they, they just so happen to be um, intruded upon. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. No, no, no. They were shooting video. Don't, 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 don't talk okay. to people. I'm trying to be <laughs> delicate here. <laughs> I'm, trying be, I'm trying to be generous. No, they, you, the, they, they, they produced. Go. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> they produced okay. is more accurate. Okay. We'll just let Joe Biden explain it. It's all about round the clock sex. It's all. Come on, man. <laughs> so, so this is all. This has all been very, very cryptic. If you're wondering what the hell we're talking oh, about, so, a staffer yeah. and another individual who uh, whose identity is unknown were discovered in the Senate chamber, uh, enjoying each other's company <laughs> in a very intimate fashion and shooting video and filming it. Uh, which this he, is not the Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's around, around Christmas night, but don't uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. You know, this happened like, like two hours before we started recording. Yeah, this. but it is it is corrupted my uh, Twitter feed in a terrible way. Yeah, it comes out from the Daily no, Caller no. reported. These fo- this person, this gentleman, and his another gentleman uh, in the Hart Building, which is a office building in the and so it's like you got the main capital where the business happens, but like yeah, the offices where all the staff works, right? So it's one of the offices that surround the Capitol. Um, um, filmed a video for their amateur pornography page in uh, the Senate of, chamber of uh, homosexual intercourse in the Senate chamber, and it got caught and it got released, and now that's a thing. So, in this, this is kind of what I'm getting at about like opening up the right brain a little bit and just seeing like everything feels weird, everything feels very Hunger Games in the Capitol. There just seems to be like this like 
degeneracy spreading through the capital right now like this is the same type of stuff like you know yeah. everybody was memeing about like oh men only think about the fall of rome how oh, they they think about it like every day that's crazy like this is the same type of stuff that was going on from a cultural perspective where everything was just starting to get very like loose and weird and strange gender dynamics started to be like very in flux during that time period like it's just very it, so like and when people are thinking about this and like there's kind of the history doesn't repeat it rhymes type of thing people are like sitting here like something feels off like it's just like there's something about the country right now like everything's just weird right now right yeah well i, I think you know i think i could speak for all of us when i say that we don't care who you sleep with it, the degeneracy is that you feel that it's in any way appropriate to do that like at the Capitol in, in a well, public well, space. What I suspect was it was for the views. Yeah. Right? Well, it's like, obviously it's the corrupting it's, it's nature niche, right? of what's well, the it's niche. <laughs> it's very niche. <laughs> the, the corrupting nature of the, of the attention economy, right? Which caused people to yes. do things that they otherwise might not do. Yes. Also a poor economy. <laughs> that might cause an underpaid sentence staffer to look for money outside of the office. <laughs> Well, Sorry, it's too funny of a joke. I mean, come on. Well, well, has, come on. Hasn't, that been, hasn't there been like multiple Congress, like congresswomen and state representatives that have like OnlyFans There was a Democrat from California that had a live leak. Yeah. A live leak. Are you familiar with this? Uh, no. no. Is it California? No, I, I, I might have misquoted that. I'm sorry, There's California. been multiple cases but, of like but congresswomen she, and stuff that have OnlyFans pages. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, it wasn't even OnlyFans. Yeah. It was live leak. Way, uh, yeah. not live leak, uh, the live stream. One of the live stream ones where you just like tip. You know, like it like, wasn't like, like a cam chat room or yes, something. Yeah. It wasn't that, that she was making incredible money. It was that she was like doing weird sex acts online for $10 a pop. Like it was <laughs> wild. Now, if that doesn't scream empire and decline to you, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, you're wrong. <laughs> if I be a sign of the economy, it also, it's also straight. It's all, okay. So this, in this case too, this was a, this is a, um, as Kyle might say, a lady, a lady congressman. <laughs> I don't think I said that. Said, no, no, a I'm lady reporter. A lady that's reporter. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. I, I actually, I'm, I'm falsely quoting Kyle for a joke. But um, uh, the, it was, this would happen before she had a career in politics, to be fair. And, and then, and then it was discovered later. Oh, and, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then yeah. it was brought out. But I mean, there's 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 the technology part of that where you have like this perverse incentive for the attention economy to do that and to economize on it. You have like the misvalue, you know, there's like this on the left. They have a value that we should be accepting of sex and not and not make it. Oh, come on. I, don't, I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I, I violated the contract. My bad. I, even I shouldn't react to you doing it. Continue. <laughs> You're we're still we're still learning the stream deck. Guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll Joe's definitely better at it this episode than last episode. Yeah. I'll say well, the liquor. <laughs> he's more he's more flow How state. Dare How dare you? <laughs> okay, so um, what point was I making? Oh yeah, that the that there's a corrupt, the potentially corrupting influence of the technology that connects us all. Right? There's the, also that narrative. Right? It could be the fall of Rome, but it's also the layer of what we've created a Frankenstein monster and how do we best use it for virtue and not for the disintegration of our society. And and that's depending on how you think of sex, right? So like for Democrats and progressives, they've a lot of, a lot of argue, argued, they've a lot of argued that there is a, um, a need to normalize people's sexual relations. So it's not based on shame. And that would be good for the psychology of an individual. <sighs> you finally let me get that out. Thank you. So I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I don't know if that's good or bad. I think that was, that's an open debate. 
with that. I think what whatever it is, it's probably shouldn't result there's in a gay lot sex of, in the Senate chamber. Yeah, well, well, in, there, there's actually gay! so like if we're talking about the the symbolic language here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, think about why people that like worship the government really cared about January six, about right. like a bunch of people coming and, and meandering through the Capitol. You know, like this is like a similar thing. Is it is it shows something about like the symbol of the nation of where it stands right now. Mm. And so like when you have a bunch of people that are like all these people I don't like all these like gun toting people who just kind of forgot their guns at home, apparently on this day um, are just like meandering through the Capitol, like, like, uh, like Nancy Pelosi's desk is violated, all this stuff. Like it's the same type of thing here now where we have the Senate chamber where you're just like, there's all this gay sex happening in the same Senate chamber now. And, and like, so you have people like, like the symbols feel weird yeah. to people. To, right? to be fair, the office building, not the chamber, but this is like, I thought oh, it was wasn't in, chamber. in the chamber. No, 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 it's the it's report the I saw was in the chamber. It's in the heart okay. office building. And it's in a, like a, um, it's in like a meeting room of the heart office building. Okay. Like, so it's an official reading room. It's, oh, okay. not, it's not nothing. The so report, is. the report I saw probably misrepresented that then. Cause what I saw was Senate chamber. Yeah. <laughs> right. we're, we're over here spreading uh, fake news. Sorry. Guys. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, but, but like that, that's just what I, I don't want to look at it, man. I don't, don't want to look I, it up I, again. I don't want to open Twitter right <laughs> I don't now. don't want to do that. <laughs> Anyways, it happened. It's weird. Let's move on. Alex Jones is new on Twitter. <laughs> speaking of symbols, <laughs> speaking of symbols here, speaking of so, the, fro- we, the frogs, so we we've covered wait for it we've covered here um um all the boycotts happening with advertising with elon musk right now elon musk uh decided not to let certain people back on x when he came back and people like nick fuentes alex jones were some of those people um Alex Jones, or sorry, Elon Musk has changed his mind. And last week, Alex Jones has been brought back onto Twitter right now. And it was represented by a Twitter spaces hosted by Mario Nafal, who's kind of like the big Twitter spaces guy. I have my own thoughts about Mario. I know who he was before this, but I won't get into that. You can look into it. A lot of crypto scams, but whatever. He has the biggest, uh, he has the biggest Twitter spaces or X spaces now. And um, not only Alex Jones, he also had Tucker Carlson, like with the, uh, with the push of Tucker Carlson's new news network, he also uh, interviewed Tucker Carlson and had a bunch of people on. Hmm. But in this Alex Jones space, you have a bunch of people. One, it's Alex Jones. Elon Musk comes in here and is like asking him questions. You have Vivek Ramaswamy. You have Andrew and Tristan Tate coming in here. You have uh, uh, like Jack Posobiec, Laura Loomer, Dave Smith. All these like people are all in here on this big ass Twitter spaces right now for two hours. And um, I think that also kind of represents like the symbol of what's happening right here of kind of, we have Elon Musk saying, fuck you to all of his advertisers, right? Go fuck yourself. Just like that. <laughs> um, and this kind of is like the thing where it's just like, all right, I'm bringing on the symbol of everything you hate right now. I'm bringing them back. Right. And they actually had a very interesting dialogue. I thought, um, one of the one there, there's two major moments to me. One's funny, but we'll get to the serious one first. <laughs> um, the The first one is there was there seems to be this alliance that's forming, and we've talked about this on the podcast of like this pro human future versus like the extinctionists, right? And in this uh, space right here, as I'm pulling it up, what you end up having here is uh, Andrew Tate, Alex Jones, and Elon Musk going back and forth of kind of like the future of humanity and kind of who the enemies are. Oh man, look at him! He looks like he's about to forge a new America. Well, yeah, because revolution of 1776. Yeah, because yeah, Twitter spaces, obviously, it's not video yet. Although Elon Musk said that they're planning on in the new year getting like probably January getting video on Twitter. You know what's so funny about that, too, is because because uh, uh, Alex Jones obviously fishing for like a news break. 
you know, like a talk radio guy, obviously in his prime, who's been doing this forever. is just like, you got any new announcements for us? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he goes, he, he goes into like, it like it's his show. He's like, technology. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I don't think this is like the right venue. To be doing <laughs> and then like a little while later, they're talking about it. He's like, well, actually like we're going to put in video. Here pretty soon. It's like, Oh, we got one. We got a, we got a, a live announcement from Elon Musk. It's, it's so clearly like a guy that's been in talk radio for 30 years. Yeah, right? Like, right. And now he's like in this new medium and he's just like, it's like, I'm interviewing you Musk. You know, like, yeah. it's kind of like that. As you can tell Elon was just like playing with his son. It was just like, Hey, they're doing a thing with me here. Uh, it's, it's like, <laughs> All right. So yeah, here is uh, kind of the conversation between these three. Elon Musk is saying, correct me if I'm wrong. We, you don't stay in stasis. You either expand right. or you collapse. So yeah, exactly. Creating- you, you, either grow, you either grow or, you're, or, or you collapse. You, you, you're, you, you don't, the steady state is, is basically an impossibility. So you have to pick it. You have to pick, make a choice. Do you want to grow civilization uh, or, or do you want to decline and, and collapse? And because, you know, steady state is it's not stable. So and I say we grow and I say we expand and and, and we 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 have more humans and we become a multi-planet species in a space bearing civilization and ultimately be out there among the stars. And I think that is the, the, the exciting, inspiring thing for, for the future uh, not a declining human civilization that dwindles to nothingness and, and, and where humanity dies with a whimper. And that's the bottom line. I think it is the battle of people who believe in humans and humanity and want it to expand against people who were so selfishly going through the earth and so selfishly orientated that they don't care about expanding civilization. They just want to control the humans that are currently here. And Andrew, so I, I totally agree with you. And an arrogance. I totally agree. Let me throw this caveat on because I've read the writings Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and the Club of Rome, they know we could easily expand. There's plenty of room, hundreds of billions of known galaxies. They know that that this is just a seed that's going to not just grow into one giant oak, but an entire forest, an entire universe. And so they want to shut everybody else down because they can't build competition with the Elon Musk that come out of the general public. They want a global tyranny so they can direct it and control it so that they direct the expansion and we can't let that happen because they literally talk about it. Agenda 21, the official UN plan, a 90% world population. So we need to go with the Elon Musk plan. And that's why I tell people that get upset. They go, Elon Musk is involved in every advancing technology. The globalists are pushing that too. Well, technology is like a gun. It's whose hand it's in. And so we need the gun in the people's hands, the gun of expansion, instead of in the globalist hands. And so just because Elon Musk is on the cutting edge of every technology, don't fear the technology like some troglodyte. Fear us not being in control of it. And Elon is saying we need it to be an expansionary human explosion of competition and freedom, not some new dark age with a tiny breakaway civilization that's only working for itself. Sorry, I'm ranting. They, they go on to Elon and starts talking about how like the fight isn't really in the paradigm that people often view politics in. It's not like right versus left. It's very much more extinctionist versus pro-human. And I thought what Alex made as a point right there of like technology is like a gun. What matters is who's handed in is so crucial because so oftentimes people on the right and like conservative minded people, they, they want to like revert back into in time to like a different age of that the time that used to be but it's like you can't really go back you have to keep moving forward and there's a lot of people that are also wanting to move forward and they want to use all these new technologies as a weapon to control you and like like he said like like i've read the writings too like i've, I've read a lot of these writings um 
this is ex- exactly what they're saying. <laughs> like whether or not they can do it is like a completely different story, right? But when it comes down to it, it's just like we could also the people that aren't in that club, the Club of Rome or whatever you want to call it, or whatever any of these organizations, we can also control those weapons too, and we can we can use that technology for our own ends for achieving like a new era of freedom, right? Well, so, so what can you unpack that a little bit? Like what does what does a pro human future look like? What does that what does that mean? Well, because what and this this is something we've talked about many times is what does the other side think about there's a lot of people that think there's too many people on the planet right like we need to reduce down to 500,000 200,000 half a million half a billion there's a lot of different numbers that are estimated right he quoted that the un said 90% less i don't know where that number comes from or if that's that, legit that's a real number or if it's a faction or if that's like the un said that like i but what are, regardless, there's no doubt that it's probably a faction. Though. As we mentioned yeah. last time on the last episode, whatever that came, is that there is a, a managed decline faction that sees like it's inevitable that the limited resources of the planet and the difficulty of space travel and the difficulty of uh, creating life on Mars and things like that is too hard and is not important as compared to perfecting life here. So what we should do is reduce population, automate maximally, and then create a utopia of a smaller population with imbalance with nature. Like there's like a, like a, a very different set of vision that says expansionism is immoral because it means imprinting our identity on the universe or on the glo- broader environment beyond the, uh, the biosphere of the earth. And I'm sure that's, there's probably different people in that faction that believe different things. There's probably some that are like a lot of different factions, you know, in America, like, like, you know, we should try to reduce that while being interstellar. Right. I'm sure that's a, a lot of Elon Musk's old audience. Right. And then there's uh, others that are very much in the elite sphere, especially in that, you know, managed decline faction. Well, and, and antinatalism is on the rise as a philosophy and antinatalism is very much like you should not have kids. Kids are bad, going to ruin the planet. Etc. You should um, feel bad about having, and kids. you should it's feel carbon bad about imprint it. because there's Shame so much it. suffering in the world. Why would you bring more? Su- like, why would you bring more life in here to experience the suffering of the world? That mm. type of idea. Like, it's a very nihilistic feel, and th- this is exactly like everybody knows I'm a Nietzsche boy. Like, this is exactly <laughs> what Nietzsche was was complaining about back in the 19th century of saying like this is this idea is on the rise and it's going to continue on the rise and we're going to see massive wars and bloodshed that's going to end up causing hundreds of millions of deaths because of these types of ideologies that are forming right now and like he doesn't have like the exact like and then hitler will come like but he makes those kind of predictions of like communism where democracy is going to lead he was a very anti-democracy critic which i am as well i don't believe in democracy um but sorry, people that believe in democracy. <laughs> that's, that's where you how dare him right there. Right? Uh, well, I was yeah. just, I'm just get that stream deck figured out. Busy buddy. thinking that that's a very loaded <laughs> thing to say. And a lot of people are going to go. How dare you? It's true. I'm sorry, Greta. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you're one of the problems. You're, you're one of these like crazy climate activists that want to reduce the population on the planet. Like she is one of those people. And she, in, in a strange way, she's a symbol for that. She's like this young autistic girl that just like pops up and she's like this like big figure that everybody's supposed to kind of worship, right? To be clear, we're pro-autism. But that doesn't mean that we should worship this strange I'm pretty girl. autistic. I'm pretty autistic. Autism like technology is a gun it depends on whose hands it's <laughs> true in. when it's in elon's hands it results in interstellar species when it's in uh this obviously very indoctrinated young woman 
her hands, uh, at least especially as a cultural leader. It's it's particularly it's a strange thing for me with that. Like I remember uh, being on Twitter and doing something and then having my replies and various different dynamics being interrupted with, you don't know that Greta is given the most important speech in American history. And I was like, she's not American. <laughs> she's European. She's European. She's like, no, she's, but she's talking to America. And like this, this, there's a, there's a cultism and I, yeah. credit where credit's due for Vivek. There's a certain amount of like religiosity around this. There's a, there's a cultism in the, like, our definition of cultism, cult, root word of culture. Uh, we haven't said that in like three episodes. So, you know, back to it. Haven't uh, said what? Cult, root word of culture. Oh, like that. Oh, I think yeah. it's more, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, close enough. We're going to get you, Bennett. We're going to figure out that everything's a cult and a scam simultaneously. Anyways, so climate. Car- and a cartel. Climate, <laughs> climate alarmism, cult, scam, car- cartel at the same time. <laughs> but the idea that there's a certain How set of. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. There's a certain set of values that, um, that you consolidate under cult-like uh there's a certain amount of um grifting that goes along with that scam like you're going to say oh uh nuclear power you know that's dangerous even though that's the most green most sustainable most you know baseline load the most you know non-negative side effects uh instead we need to invest in wind and solar and that's it and no other solutions is viable much less geothermal or any of the other good energy sources that um uh, are low carbon but also stable um and then and then lastly um you know it was a cartel cartel uh searching for monopoly using the government in order to eliminate your competition i think we're watching the birth of a new mental model live (laughs) so that's actually funny is i was actually about to say i'm about to steal david's mental model word here don't say that word and i think that there's a uh there's there's something that you should always consider and this is this is a mental model i've always had and it, it tends to make me more contrarian i think because of it but who are you trained to hate that's always a very important thing. Like all three of those people that were just on that video are people that you're trained to hate. And they're all talking about being like very pro-human and having a pro-humanist future so that we can thrive and prosper. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the people that you're trained to worship seem to be the people that want to have a very anti-human f- future. They're very anti-natalist. Right? What's even more interesting about that is that if you have been trained to hate those three people, you have by default also been trained to hate yourself because they're pro you. <laughs> So what does that say? Maybe there's some introspection needs to go on. But it's the same thing as like, like everybody that was on that stage, like the fake Ramaswamy, like look at the media, how the media is handling him right now. Like they're trying to do whatever, you know, like a lot of these figures that end up kind of getting canceled or, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm supposed to hate that person. You don't really know why. Like, it's just like the, the algorithms tell you that you're supposed to hate them is like a lot of them tend to have, and they tend to be very hyperbolic figures. Like no, no, like Andrew Tate, Alex Jones, very hyperbolic figures, right? right? Like probably in some of its performance art that exists there, but there's nuggets that exist in, inside of what they're saying right there. That is a very like, pull yourself up. You're, you're in for the fight. Let's create this pro human future. There's people that are trying to slay you in some regard. And there's kind of like, think about the symbolic meaning that exists there. Since this episode seems to be all about symbolism, symbology, symbology, <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But Kyle, Alex Jones was banned from Twitter for killing all those kids at Sandy, which Hope. isn't even he true. He took a gun. He busted down the door of the, of the school and shot up all those kids. Well, a terrible human being. Well, and that's the thing. That's not even true. That's not why he was banned from Twitter. 
<laughs> right? Why was he banned from Twitter? He was banned from Twitter because this journalist, Oliver Darcy, was coming after after his advertises and he, and Alex harassed him back. He just he just gave him some some lip. Yeah. And then <laughs> insult journalists who is on this? Twitter. And, and old they Twitter, had a blue old Twitter did not like that when it meant something. God damn it! <laughs> and, and, and you can they think didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> pay the eight dollars. You know it's twenty two dollars now. What really? Yeah. Well, you lost number all those advertisers. Number saying, keeps going up. Like, my bank statement. Don't give a shit. And that number keeps going up. It's like, but no. It, in my tweets. It, it's it's one of those things where like think what you want to about the um, about the Sandy Hook stuff with Alex Jones. There's a lot of propaganda around it that I, I, I think Alex Jones gets a really an unfair shot on this. Yeah, um, I'm going to go on the other side, though. No, no. But like, 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 yes, he, he did. He did in like play around with conspiracy stuff on his yeah. show back and when that happened. But the thing is, there was a lot of like official reporting that was talking about training drills and stuff like that at the time too like so some of that stuff it's easy i think it's very easy to fall into that trap that existed there and but, i don't think it should censor anybody but the media the way that the media came is years and years later they're basically talking about him like pissing on the graves of these people and sending people after him right and that's that's where things get very or that weird, he sent right? listeners to like go to the homes mm-hmm. of these grieving parents which and is like, not true uh, yeah oh, oh, and that was probably a distillation from he inspired listeners to do this, right? Mm. Which is, if you had to consider all the crazy shit someone might do with something you said, no one could ever say anything. This podcast would be, you know, like, <laughs> as this podcast grows, like that's basically you saying- You couldn't do anything. You, the listener, were responsible for the actions that you do because you listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's absurd. Yeah, it's that's absurd. ridiculous. So I, don't get me wrong. People have a responsibility to try to articulate as careful as they can, you know, what they think. In fact, that's what redeems the social order and allows us to revivify things. Like that's that's the whole function, utilitary, the utility of freedom of speech and the ability to articulate truth, right? From a metaphysical, much less uh, epistemological point of view. But, you know, my criticism of Jones is that there's there there is a you know, I, I'm going to deal in this sort of very, you know, I'm so radically open that I'm going to like entertain things in order to gan- garner audiences that, you know, could potentially itself backfire. And he like paid a price for that. The question is like, how much price should he pay? Right. Should he be banned from social media? I for think these like, losses are a billion, 300 million, trillion, trillion, million dollars. <laughs> which, which actually, no, like the, 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 the lawsuit, that's a great, the, 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 the thing about this is his lawsuit was like absurd <laughs> amounts of money. It's now been brought down to like 56 million and they're still continuing to compete against it. Yeah. But like the original thing was like billions of, actually, yeah, it was, it was like some absurd amount of billions of dollars no that joke. was the damage. Which is it. like, how can a person with a small media company, relatively small, mm-hmm. even just, get close to entertain like he he said as much he's like my net worth is like maybe in like the few millions or was right like in his company was now now certainly not a multi i listened to him recently on michael malice's show michael malice interviewed him and and alex was saying that now he's in the negative like his actual personal net worth is in the negative i believe this stuff i believe it and and, and like i don't think he should have been prosecuted for it i don't think any of those things but i just want to say like there is um i don't buy his like uh I, i just I just like started becoming a radio news host and I don't wasn't trained in this. And so I'm not responsible for, you know, covering well, things. That's, that's not and his, like, and like his take is much more. No, no, actually, he said that he said that, yeah, on no, but like his take is actually more expansive than that. 
Like, I, I think that's a very small thing. Like, there's certain I'm things. Criticizing of like, one part of it. Yes, yes. I agree. Yeah. I, mean, I am criticizing only one part. And yeah, it but is it's that important to have is, the full picture. Yes, I totally <laughs> agree. But that was a really weak case, in my point. And it's it is a crux of the case in the sense that he is saying that he didn't know what his reach or effect would be. And it's like, get that only to the degree that, you know, it was 2013, right? It was, it was like the internet wasn't new, but it was emergent. And by that time, so, he had been broadcasting for a long time. Like I discovered him in 2009. So, you know, several years, yeah. long enough to, for him to know better. He's been I know the rules. For, for a while, folks. No, but like the, the internet. Turn the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs> at, at, at that point, 2009, the internet was still very niche. Like people weren't really using social media for like politics and stuff like that at that time period. Not, not in this level. Like, like, like you were saying 2008, Ron Paul, that's like the original internet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, Burgeoning, emergent yeah. like it's just like there but it's not there and then also it's, we're it's younger so it was like more it there now. for us yeah. versus like a broader base right yeah, yeah our it, parents it, are it, online now yes if, they if, were in 2009 if you, were over, if you were over 30 at that point in time you had no idea what was going on in these internet spaces right, right? so I, and, and he's covering things that are like coming in from 4chan and like callers and stuff like crazy callers that are coming in and yeah. he's like entertaining them right and like it is an entertainment show but it's also a news show right like yeah. it's kind of both That's right the balance there's, yeah. a, there's a tricky balancer that we deal with too that where you're trying to say like how do we responsibly talk about the most important things how do we talk about the things that are how do we evaluate what's important how do we make sure that people feel informed while we entertain people and actually make it like retain listenership for our sake and for your sake so that we can hopefully get through all the things that we're going to talk about and give people what they need to know that actually made me think of you know something because alex has now announced he's he's going to have another show that he's doing that is like x exclusive Mm. basically as a thank you to elon musk and also saying like I am going to do my best. Like he, he said this multiple times yes. in Twitter Spaces. I'm going to do my best to like try to not be taken out of context so that I can like, you know, like not make you look bad, Mister Musk, for giving me this opportunity. Like like the thankfulness that came from Alex Jones for doing this for him was very interesting, and it was um, endearing. Honestly, it, it was like, very endearing. I'm not an Alex Jones fan. Like I, I appreciate some things that he said and done. For sure. And I'm, and I want to turn off audience that likes Alex Jones, but like to me, the way he engages sometimes, oftentimes I'm like kind of reckless, bro. That's not exactly right. And all the famous clips are him being kind of in those like small, reckless, memeable moments. Right. right? Or like, like those are all the clips that everybody knows. Imagine for a moment if I was like Dean's zesty boots, like turn off my shirt, like ran off stage. Like he's playing a character and he's doing that. And I don't, I'm okay with that. Actually. I like, I like theater. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. Great time for an ad spot. <laughs> it'd, be even, it'd be even weird if it was Adam, right? I'm like, Adam's intellectual patrons. Ah! You know, like. <laughs> Anyways. But Adam gets crazy in the Discord. He's into it. <laughs> yeah. Adam Adam spent, spends every morning at 4.30 completely dis- demolishing me in jujitsu. So there's no. Gay! <laughs> Gotcha. So he definitely gets on that. And actually, Adam, because I know you'll be listening to this, and we, we were chatting in the Discord like yesterday. I can't wait for an episode where we just dive into like symbolism and psychology around all this stuff. I think it's going to be so symbolism. much fun. I think it's going to be so much fun. <laughs>
All right. So what does this mean for X's ad revenue? And I did think this was really interesting because it got brought up by more than one person who kind of came in from the outside to ask questions. I didn't know who those question askers were, but there were just other people who jumped into the conversation who are like, what does this mean? Or what does this mean for the rules? And like, is it okay to deny school shooters now? You know, like those sort of questions. Interestingly, today, uh, Netflix has resumed advertising on X. They always come crawling back. So... How long ago did they suspend advertising? Along with the ADL on all those. Like two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's the whiskey. So that's about how long it took for them to go, all right, well, that was good enough virtue signaling. Let's just get back to making money. You're just like, oh, virtue signaling out of the way? Nice. That's good. (laughs) We're back. We're back, baby. (laughs) What better time to advertise than neo-Nazis? Well, it's it's like... like, Or whatever it was. What what were they upset about? Uh, Uh, Moss said something about someone being right about... About the uh, dichotomy, the uh, dialect about the Jew versus white thing that was but going does, on. But does right? does the Alex Jones thing come into play there? Which I just thought. Are about they going to pull back seconds. out? Is that what you're thinking? No, no, no. I was just thinking like, is that the distraction for them to get back in? Like. Alex Jones is back, so an advertiser well, sneaks back in under the radar. Well, well that's the weird mm. thing is because like Alex Ooh. Jones often gets painted as this like anti-Semite and stuff like that. Like it's it's really? usually yeah it's it's often hmm. a, a th- I mean they throw everything at him like oh, like, like, like when I say yeah. like when I say that he was a symbol in that moment and and I and I actually think I kind of agree with Alex where like he. I don't think he fully rep- understood this symbol that he represented. Mm. He was this like shibboleth that had to be taken down, right? And he was a there was a few people in that era like Milo Yiannopoulos and stuff like there were these big cultural figures that were on the rise at that time and then they just got poofed out of existence. They mm. got completely unpersoned, right. right? And like that's that's the more interesting thing to me. You can agree disagree with any of these people. Right. It's just like there were these like dissident figures, these dissident voices that were coming up and then they just got snapped out of existence. I think that's exactly the right way to think about it, right? It's not necessarily that you have to support or whatever of Alex Jones or Yiannopoulos or whatever. It's to see how the system works yes, so that you can operate in a system. And like the rules of the system are if you touch certain things... You might just get poofed. Yeah. Don't well, get poofed. Well, and, and this is the thing, like, like, don't get poofed. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, you might need the roller a little bit on your <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. It's oh, the sweet, Christmas oh, episode. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I, I had a thought Speaking there. Of I which, lost it. I lost it. The state of I'm Iowa. Sorry. I'm sorry. That was no, my the perfect, fault. The perfect avenue from Sweet Baby Jesus is obviously the satanic shrine at the Iowa State House. No? Uh, not a good transition no that's that's fine well, i mean I, yeah it is it is the season right <laughs> to talk about the then also the antithesis of christmas which would be the satanic shrine it's a uh, it's right. a sativity scene right <laughs> do you want to bring it up so we can <laughs> take a look at it Kyle? uh yes yeah. it's yeah. in the notes there it's got so a lot of people angry and it, you know like it, uh, it makes sense right symbols we're talking about time. symbols right symbols it's a symbology session <laughs> All right, so uh, Joe, describe for our audio listeners what what the heck we're looking at. Can you zoom in on that thing? Oh. Okay, so That's it's um, it looks like a a ram's head, sort of a metallic ram's head. Classic uh, symbolism, for you know, on, on a on a uh, body, uh, human body shape, wearing a a red like velvet cloak thing with a a red wreath around sort of the torso area. Are those uh, are those um, what what's those flowers that are common for? Christmas uh, carnations. Um, yeah, I think you're thinking of they poinsettia. Poinsettia. Yeah, yeah, they might right. be poinsettias. Uh, uh, carnations like prom. 
You're right. <laughs> I know nothing about flowers. We're to just, be clear, so these Satan is going to prom. Yeah, yeah. My wife just rolled her eyes so hard she passed out. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, Jess, stay with us. Stay with us. Jess, we got you here. We got you. <laughs> uh, there's some candles down front. Very uh, seance-like looking, uh, uh, you know, candelabra situation going on with some very interesting uh, symbology on the front here. Some sort of I love that Crest. word and I think it should be a real word. I, I understand it's not, <laughs> but it's like, but think about it, symbology. It would be the study of symbols, right? No, sure. Yeah. We, we need that on the stream deck now. I symbology. sent it. I sent it to you. Symbol. Oh, perfect. Oh, from, that's yeah. From yeah. Boondock. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Boondock seems great. So, so this thing is like cordoned off. It's like a, it's a very official looking thing behind some, you know, plexiglass and, and, and barricades here. Just clearly like in the, in, you know, in the rotunda area of the Iowa state house. Um, a, a very officially sanctioned seeming. So who, who, who decided that this was a good idea? The satanic temple of Iowa. The site, the, the, the satanic temple of Iowa mm-hmm. er- erected a shrine at the Iowa state Capitol mm-hmm. in the holiday season during the holiday season. So right. is December, is, is this uh, time of year also significant to the satanic uh, cult? Religion, whatever you want to call it. Excellent Everything's about being the antithesis to Christianity. So this like is sort of just like supposed to be. This is yeah. a giant. Uh, um, go f- go f- yourself. <laughs> this is a giant. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. I fat fingered two buttons. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was perfect though. That, that seems to be what, it, and especially because like Iowa probably has a lot of attention right now, just because like primaries and things like that. I imagine oh, that that's probably one of the that. reasons for that. It's also a claim of like, what is the satanic cult? Right? Is it edge lording? Like. I'm going to believe whatever the opposite a, a you believe lot of is. It is or is it like a legitimate religion? That's like the underlying issue that's kind of that's kind of holding together, pinning together the disagreement about the whole thing. What is edgelording? Thank you. Oh, edgelording? Would be, uh, that's like an internet slang term for just the being like... Of the group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> edgelording would be like an internet slang term for like being counter to whatever is the thing. And you're just like, oh, I'm so edgy. You so know, like hipster. A, no, no <laughs> hipster is a different vibe. It's darker than Joking. that. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, like, it's like a dark hipster. Think about yeah. Brandon and Biden. It's like and dark and Darth Brandon, dark Brandon. This is like dark hipster. <laughs> yeah, dark. Kind of like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's counterculture. And it's sense. more about being edgy about it. It's like yeah. it's also casting yourself as a bit of a victim. It's also you're about going like, to be a villain. You like mm-hmm. you're you know you're going to be painted by as the it. investment yeah. of a villain character that you are currently investing in as you're doing. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 So uh, it could be just a a cry for help, some attention getting, uh, any number just of dunking on the Church of Satan. <laughs> well, hey, if there's anyone to do that with, Mr. Satan, go f- yourself. Thanks. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is just Merry supposed to be. That's what, uh, that's what that's what Saint Nick would say. Just to be clear, <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of it is spoiling the symbolism really like this is that episode yeah of christians and of people that would be believing in the holiday traditions of this time right like that like that seems to be what this is meant to do right, right? well it's all it's trust me i'm lying mm-hmm. right it's uh, ryan holiday right it's to provoke a reaction so you get attention to your satanic temple of iowa right so the goal is to take up space in a way in a time frame that's particularly insensitive in order to spark a reaction which the conservatives are feeding into by mm. giving it attention the trust me I, the trust me i'm lying thing is such like a real thing right here where now 
all the major conservative pundits are all talking about it and yep. you're just sparking more it's the blowback effect right like yes. you're just sparking more attention there's blowback effect thing. that happens because of unintended consequences and then there's a blowback effect of where you're intending a blowback right and so this is this is what means being a foil right if you're a foil to someone else's efforts what you're saying is you're setting yourself up to be my effort to get more attention more money more clout by saying how dare you how I won't. I won't do it. <laughs> Joe's like, oh, I'm not your monkey. <laughs> We've used our quota of how dare you is for the show. I'm sure the audience is well, purely and, sick of it. And we have. Uh, you just came across this right before we started, Dave. This uh, um, DeSantis had, yeah. is, is having a town hall today, and he was asked about it. And it leaked into the presidential um, politics because Iowa is a is an early primary state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, getting this started, Fox News, well, fix, your, the fix, religion, fix your website. What is going on here? <laughs> yeah, fix your website, Fox News. It's very weird. Traders, There's a lot of cat Trader Joe's there. is now racist? <laughs> Fox News is just feeding it. The cat this. Tim's whole face change? What's going on here? No, that's, that's how she looks. That's how oh, she's always looked. I don't know. Her face looks different to me. I don't know. Anyways. Anyways, here's a uh, DeSantis was asked about this Saintness uh, thing in his town hall today by by uh, Jake Tapper, one of the sorry, people of news. She says it is, quote, absolutely objectionable, but, quote, in a free society, the best response to objectionable speech is more speech, unquote. Some Republicans are calling for it to come down. What do you think? Should that display be allowed in the Capitol? So it's interesting. I, I, I heard this and then I was like, well, how did it get there? Is that even a religion? And lo and behold, the Trump administration gave them approval to be under the IRS as a religion. So that gave them the legal ability. Oh, to so, do. so I don't know what the legislature, what they have, they analyzed it, but it very well may be oh, because of that ruling under Donald Trump that they may have had a legal leg to stand up. My view would be that's that's not a religion that the founding fathers were trying to create. Um, but I do think that IRS ruling, uh, I was really surprised to see that they did that. Okay, wait. So, so just, just, do we want more? Is, uh, we got the point here. I don't right? know what happens after that. I'm, I'm... Um, so one, one of the things, I actually have a few thoughts correct. in this. Uh, stop, stop, stop. Fox News, fix your website. What is going on? How do I get out of this? It escaped. It escaped. It escaped. It escaped. <laughs> How do I get it? <laughs> eject, eject. Also, um, can we get that off the screen? I don't really, that, that's really disturbing stupid. Joe. Yeah, it's it really, is, We had the trans person like boobs stuff. up there forever. Yeah, Joe we, didn't we say did a word. <laughs> but show me the same thing. Check the tape. I did actually. There's a few, there's a few thoughts that I have on this. One, uh, I, it's interesting and we can get into the politics of DeSantis kind of pinning this on Trump right here. But two, if, if it isn't officially a, a, a religion, it, it actually would almost seem to me that this shouldn't be in the Capitol because of freedom of religion, where it's like, because of this is this, this public space, like, like whether it was Christian or Satanist, like we should, uh, pull back the uh, like removal of church from state type of thing. Like it almost shouldn't be in the public space. Well, it's right? actually it's actually interpreted the opposite, especially in yeah. red states, right? In red states, typically that whole separation of church and religion is a, like a Supreme Court edifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- one of the interesting things about the Supreme Court is unless it's judicated, it really, you can keep doing it, right? So you're inviting lawsuit, but you can still do it unless there's a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about this is, yeah, it might get to the Supreme Court if you adjudicated this, but it probably wouldn't go the way you think it will go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not with the current make of the Supreme Court. So there's that. So basically how it's really came down to in the jurisprudence is it's all or nothing. Either you'll let anyone with a tr- status of an actual religion do it, 
or you let no one do it. And that's the only real safe legal precedent. This is such the problem with like public stuff, public spaces in general is like, it becomes such a weird, like, well, what do you allow? What do you want? Don't you allow? Technically either everything should be allowed or nothing should be allowed. Like it becomes this weird hodgepodge of stuff. And then what defines is a religion, right? And and, (laughs) I mean, like, um, obviously DeSantis's definition of religion is whatever the founders decided was religion is just not exactly I mean, no, no, that's not actually constitutional or historically accurate, right? <laughs> Congress right. shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, this the, the public expression of religion, Bennett, does not mean in the establishment of religion. That's like an overly sensitive, like, um, interpretation of the law, but it isn't necessarily jurisprudence, and it wasn't for centuries before the decision that you're that that, that establishes me the separation between church and, state, and the judiciary, which is which is a creation of the judiciary. It doesn't exist in the Constitution. Establishment of religion means you must be an Anglican, or you get taxed extra, or you must go to church or be taxed extra, or you must go to church or go to jail. That's what the establishment of religion yeah. means. It doesn't mean public displays of religious affection or religious belief and it was largely a big pushback of everything that was going on in europe at the time like you have the church of england you have everything that's going on with the catholic church at the time a lot of the people that came to america in the early colonial days were fleeing the 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 state slash religious practices that were happening that were really confining people and people just wanted to practice what they want like if you want to be a quaker you could be a quaker if right. you wanted to be you know whatever you could be a whatever right satanist uh, uh that's what the founders said. They would have said no. I mean, like that's a, that's just a, a I, I, great standard. I, I, I don't think Thomas Jefferson would have said no to that. He was the guy that that rewrote the Bible, taking all the miracles out of it. <laughs> he was right? a deist. To be he to was be a clear. deist. Yeah, yeah. He, and, and what a deist is is it's something that like God created everything and then He pulled back, so all the miracles are kind of not legit. Yeah. The short way like, to think about it is like right. God is clockmaker, right, of the universe, uh, but not material influencer. So mm. the way is to think like the rules of material structure itself. Are are fixed and God kind of exists outside and separate from that very specifically. Um, and so it was says the moral teachings of the Bible are important and, 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 and part of the Western canon, we should respect and honor them and, and learn from the them. Judeo Christian ethos is something that should be kind of cherished. Right? Yes, like sure. That's- but the, but the, but the, the miracle of the virgin birth or of healing someone or turning water into wine itself is, is a artifice. Uh, to get people who maybe didn't understand it as well to conceptualize. Yeah, like a, lo- a lot of people probably don't realize the deity of Thomas it. Jefferson rewrote the Bible in this deist perspective, taking all the miracles out. Like, like, like he literally, actually, he actually line like, by line cut rewrote out, the Bible like, with a razor yeah. blade, cut out all the miracles. Seems like a lot of work. Well, he, he also invented the swivel chair. Yeah. Homeboy <laughs> had a lot of time on his hands. You know, I actually did go to Monticello uh, when I was a kid. I lived outside of DC. Didn't he also, he invented the, uh, the machine where you could write and then it would, it would, copy what you were writing to actually, another sheet to bring back the vivek uh, fanboy club like this is something that vivek <laughs> talks about all the time is he talks about the swivel chair with thomas jefferson yeah. but like how the founders were these like renaissance men that were creating all these different things like they were they were very multifaceted it's just kind of like an interesting and young development. he, he yeah. wrote the declaration of independence while he's in his 30s he was like one of the youngest people involved yeah. in everything yeah uh incredibly well read incredibly well studied and you know a scholar of his time and a renaissance man because he put the work in like he wasn't just a sloppy, lazy guy who just did lots of things, right? He he was a legitimate architect, um, legitimate, you know, like if you look at his library, it's impressive, right? You look through his library and average person doesn't read a third, a quarter, a tenth of the and, books that Thomas And, and, mo- and modern opinions of him are like, well, he like raped a slave or something. So I don't know. I don't yeah, like it was this guy. Probably right? like, it's, you know, it's like, probably his brother. It's probably his brother. But like, you have evidence. 
it shows how like corrupting history there are becomes. a few there are a few things of the of that period that i'm as passionate about as like mm, Defe- that's de- defending tj <laughs> yes yes it's not that i actually agree with tj on everything but that's one of them he's he's probably my favorite the brother thing yes he had a okay so this so Okay, as as the group normie, like <laughs> I know what the general public knows about yeah. Thomas Jefferson. I would yeah, say. his brother was really into the slaves. <laughs> like I was, he was really into it. Like liked to party with the slaves and was more. It's all about round the clock sex. It's all. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Perfect news, Joe. Well done, sir. I just learning. My hat to. He said he's a learning computer. All right, yes. so. Yes, AI um, two letters. <laughs> yeah. We have to have we have to have my brother on this and sometime because he's a little more fluent in this. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's a, there's a substantial amount of evidence that it was unlikely him, especially because of the character of Thomas Jefferson. When his wife died, he never remarried. That isn't because he was sleeping with a slave. It was probably because he was a romantic of his era. Um, the way he wrote about his wife, the way he talked about women in his life. This guy was a prolific writer of letters and all that kind of, we have a tremendous amount we know so much about thomas jefferson because he was such a huge writer because he was such a huge reader and such a huge influence on american public i just so. think about uh, like if if abigail adams were to die to like john uh john adams like i can't picture him remarrying like it, it like to me like, like what you're saying with jefferson it's and similar his to wife that. it's very similar yeah it, it, uh, you would say that because you're from yeah, I mean, I got to represent John Adams. <laughs> literally wearing a Red Sox hat, right? <laughs> it's, it's how Langley trained him. I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. Mariners suck. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that... Okay. <laughs> Ouch. All right, so... Uh, he's right, though. The point I was making is that there was a tremendous amount of effort at the time of the framework of the constitution to separate church and state not for the establishment of religion which which implies the use of force not the public display of it. that's that's the important difference i'm at, you guys can't see it but i'm looking at bennett as i'm trying to yeah, explain this i see it he's, he's behind yeah. the ones and twos out there yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and thank you so much for everything you do bennett and we don't give you enough credit and we should do better joe <laughs> I really like the fact that he's taking over my like voice of the everyman role. This is great. <laughs> well, Just get to I sit mean, back I, and listen. I think I'm oh, I'm the poor man. You like I'm even fucking less than what you know. <laughs> well, yeah. and, 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 and the oh, the whiskey boy. is the whiskey is loosening him up. I don't usually talk this much. <laughs> I think you know you've made it when you've got a poor man's you. <laughs> my, bad, my bad audience. That means you're the rich man's you. <laughs> Sick. That makes me the poor man's Joe Rogan. I sure don't feel like it. No, and you are super bald. So, <laughs> bald in jujitsu. <laughs> not quite as jacked yet but yeah i was once let's see your spinning back kick <laughs> oh i don't have a girl anyways we got way off topic but um joe started it yeah yeah okay i'll take the i'll take the fall for that joe what do you think is is there is it a compelling case that because the founders didn't establish satanism as a religion it doesn't apply to the first amendment of you know well, that's religious the, freedom. That's I mean, like that's, that's that's the underlying thing. Is Satanism a religion? And second, does it apply to the Constitution? Because we haven't really talked about that yet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'm at all qualified to discuss the merits of whether or not Satanism is a religion. I mean, I suppose that a, lo- a lot of things qualify probably as religions. Shout out to the comment section right there. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's a little inside joke that the comment section thinks I'm an idiot, uh, which well, you know, they're not wrong. Everyone's an idiot. No, we're, we're all idiots. Mostly yeah. me, though. We have no credit to be saying any of the things that we're saying according to the comment section. Yeah, why don't we just go ahead and, and just disclaim all of everything that we've ever said, and uh, you know, none of us know what we're talking well, about. Cool. Like, there you go. The thing is, though, it, yeah. Does it disqualify it from protection under the First Amendment? Like, uh, I would consider myself a free speech absolutist, and then so I would say no. You know, but I think that uh, it's a it's a question of like culture, right? It's a question of is it is it uh, is that something that the people of Iowa find to be representative of who they the, are of the plurality of the people in that in that state? It shouldn't um, be subject to popular rights, though. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the Constitution is protect minority rights specifically. Sure, absolutely, and I think that's completely fair. Um, but I guess just through my own lens, I would look at it and say, well, it's not for me to decide. It's for the people of Iowa to you know run through through their cultural lens and decide if that's something that they want to f- fight about. So, I, would I, I like to see it in Montana? Like, no, I wouldn't really. Hmm. So, but so, would I? Would I like? overtly try to suppress that like i probably also wouldn't try to do that would you behead the satanic crime which is what a uh quote uh yeah. christian former military officer beheads the satanic shrine he defaced it because he was so outraged by it now what's interesting and i'm sorry to interrupt you kyle because i it was yeah. too perfect of a transition <laughs> to this other yeah. story but this happened today and there's two ways i feel about this one satanism is a direct response, not to Judaism, not to Islam, but to Christians, very specifically. And there's long been a, an argument that the vitalization of Christianity has failed, that it's become largely a passive religion and unable to stand up for itself. If you had a troll religion of Islam that was just leaving sketches of Muhammad out, what would happen to that person? Yeah. They shouldn't be stabbed but they would be stabbed. Why? There's a vitalism there. There's like a, you will not insult my fundamental beliefs. The Satan church is directly targeting a very specific tradition of Christianity that doesn't apply to any other religion, but just applies there and says, you won't do anything. And this dude steps up and does something. Sure. And does something illegal. Right. Like, he goes into the state capitol, he does something he shouldn't do. That is illegal. Defile someone else's property that was legally placed there. Illegal. And I'm not saying he's a hero. and I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm saying there's a difference in the way that people relate to their religion and then view it in the public sphere as, is Christianity just being a nice guy? Or does it actually believe something? Does it actually take its own beliefs seriously? Or is it really about, like, a watered-down, like, westernism? Right. And, and that's an open question, I think, that should be discussed. And that that's really what we should think about when this this event happens. It should elevate us to that level of thought of what does it mean to be a Christian in a Christian society that largely doesn't even acknowledge your virtues or values. And this is a very I see this a lot on the Internet, too. There's this conversation. There's starting to be these like crusader meme rises that are happening of like becoming the soldiers of God again and like a revitalization of Christianity that is that is starting to form because and this was actually a very this is something that Nietzsche um, 
Nietzsche boy. <laughs> right. I'm making um, you a t-shirt. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's got it written down. I literally wrote down Nietzsche boy, B-O-I t-shirt. <laughs> That'll be the first thing in our merch store. Is that... As soon as we get this it. was one of the, the, the things is that uh, Christianity became very passive and it started to not stand up for anything. You actually see this. We, we were talking about the Alex Jones, Andrew Tate, Elon Musk stuff. And this is something Andrew Tate had his conversion to Islam. And a lot of people are kind of like, is it real? Is it not real? I actually personally believe it is real because I think Islam is much more in line with his moral values. And that is actually one of his critiques is that Christianity has become so passive and no, and no Christians are even seem to be willing to defend it anymore. And like, I actually kind of have like a very religious background for, for the audience that doesn't know. I, I, my, my early twenties, I actually pretty much read through like all the major religions canons, including some Satanism and like wild magic and stuff like that. Like I was just like reading the thinkers around these things. And a lot of Satanism is very much the edge Lord stuff. Like a lot of it is just like atheist edgelord stuff, right? Like just trolling Christianity. It, it is meant to be that yeah. not all of it is, but a lot of it is. Um, and, and this is, but one of, this is one of the critiques that exists in kind of like internet spheres right now is like Christianity has become too passive and it's not willing to actually defend itself. Like anybody, you can go like the, the, the media is completely willing to mock Jesus in any way that they're, and Christians just kind of ex- accept it. Like they're the butt of the joke. Right. But like, there seems to be in the new generation that is coming up right now is like, there's like, like in zoomers, like Christian zoomers, right. Gen Z like people younger than me and I'm the, I'm the baby of the podcast. Um, right. Aww. Like these people are like, there, there's a lot of these people that like, we need to kind of bring back these values, but we're going to be soldiers now. And they're like LARPing as like crusaders. Like there, that exists in the internet sphere right now in the meme space. Right. I, I, I've seen that same phenomena. I want to tension this because I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, no pun intended, but maybe a little bit pun intended. Um, in that it's also, a challenge to pluralism, which is that says that in America, we have this belief that you shouldn't use violence. And this is a low grade form of violence. No one was actually hurt. And it's, you know, beheading. It's more of a symbolic act and things like that. But it's still illegal. Property rights violation. Right? A relatively, you know, low grade one, but still one of, you know, challenge. Maybe, I mean, on the level of I believe I should have monopoly of discourse around the good that is not compatible with pluralism that says that, hey, we shouldn't use violence when trying to negotiate religious matters. And there's something fundamentally American about that, too, simultaneously, right? There's a Christian nationalism argument that's there that says, like, oh, we're a Christian nation. And there's, there are true things about that and not so true things about that. There's, like, the truth of Thomas Jefferson's being deist, for example, and uh, the truth that the reality is, is that, you know, the uh, Orthodox Hindu and the Orthodox Christian have a lot more in common than the, uh, you know, liberal progressive atheist from New York City mm-hmm. or Boston. No offense. Um, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's nice. our fourth over. Um, so the, does that make sense? So like yeah. there's this challenge there that I think is an important cultural connection that has to has to be bridged by some kind of ethos some kind of like is there a value there or are we giving up on that value yeah i mean do we want to just degrade back to religious conflict and in if you are the um orthodox boys 
as Adam likes to call him. Oh, we need to have Adam on again. It's just, yeah, we, just yeah, need we, to, we have to have, we need to have Adam, Adam on. We want to have Because this is like his topic. Like he yeah. knows a lot about this. That, that that sort of trend, internet trend itself, is a degrade back to that? Is it a revitalization? How to interpret that? I think, I mean, one, I'm not an expert enough in within this cult um, to be able to tell you about how to interpret it. But I think it is reasonable for Americans to both interpret both things. To both say, there's something kind of illegitimate about the Church of Satan at one point because you're just kind of doing it to troll people yeah. and yeah. you're kind of being a dick. Mm-hmm. And then there's also uh, there's also like, I get that we probably want to recognize legitimate belief, but it's very difficult to tell when authentic belief happens because belief is something that happens in my head. And then you can't tell what's in my head. So I have to articulate you with what I think. And you have to then judge about how authentic I am. And that's a very difficult thing to do. So how do we have the judgment there? How do we have an objective judgment there? Very difficult question. Yeah, incredibly. Well, well, one of the things too is like looking at the moral frameworks of these different groups. Like, I don't know. This is just, I'll just hypothecate here and tell me what you guys think about this. But it seems to me, especially when we bring this cultural stuff into politics right now, like modern Christians right now, in a strange way to me, like, and this is, I've studied the Quran, like I've read the Quran and I, I feel like I understand the book quite, quite well. I feel like modern Christians are actually more in line with the, with Islam right now. And like mo- the modern leftists are much more in line with like Judaism now, it, especially when we're talking about like Israel Hamas, we talk about this a lot on the show. We had like a whole three part series on it. Right. Where it's like Christians seem to be much more like akin to, this actual Islamic faith, but they are completely in line with Judaism. And then the left seems to be much more akin to Judaism, but seem to be siding with Islamic faith. Right? Like it's a very strange dynamic to me that is like, and, and part of that is like, I don't think anybody's actually read any of their holy books. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like everybody that is purporting all these things. I don't think they've actually read the books that they're talking about. Like, like their moral frameworks are not matching the things that they're talking about. I think that is, it's, it's right as a cultural phenomenon, especially like the common interpretation of not their internal doctrine, but their external view of the world was in consolidation through the Trump era because everything was about gender. Everything is about all the things that they were like, oh my God, this is really weird, right? Yeah. Uh, very religious Jews were like, the Torah doesn't say this. You know, like, like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty clear, man, woman, like there's not a lot of vagary <laughs> here. And then, you know, obviously Muslims and Christians and we're all kind of in convergence. I just sent you a Pew research document about this that I'm actually familiar with because I was looking at it quite recently. Is this on Discord? Yes, on Discord. Direct message. Join our Discord. Um, that <laughs> not shows. Not direct messages though. <laughs> <laughs> and then direct message, message Captain <laughs> Quigley with your questions. Slide into those DMs. About why he likes symbolo- symbology so much. Symbol. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, so the... The point I'm making here is there was a convergence that happened, that there was a steady share, uh, a small but steady share of Muslims that are going Republican. And this was written uh, 2018, right? So this can probably continued probably right up until this year. I'm very curious about how the the how this uh, like diverges with the Palestinian conflict and like how the sympathies go there. But it's a very interesting 
component of a gain because of the cultural fight that Republicans were making over some time and then a very you know, probably drastic setback in, in as far as capturing the Muslim community around these issues, specifically around Palestine because of the recent Hamas-Palestine attacks. Very true. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think that uh, there were a couple of cases this year where Muslim members of a community were pushing back against school boards who were pushing gender ideology stuff that was you know largely you know propagated by the left Mm -hmm. and the left was all up in arms about it because the left was very supportive of integrating muslim religion and and you know in in a lot of cases refugees as well from the middle east into those communities so they felt a a bit betrayed i think Mm -hmm. uh but you know should realize that that faith is relatively incompatible with those views that they also hold so right. it is a bit of a dissonance there well, we well, were very much on this train right up until this year yeah right i mean it was is it, it the way that train went off the bridge and into a ravine and exploded exploded you know is i mean it's well, hasn't been talked about at all right yeah. and there's a very interesting component of this that i'm, I'm obviously we're teasing uh, out i actually time. think yeah. there's, there's like a natural cohesion that should exist between the christians and the muslims especially when we're talking about the political dynamics, because like in Islam, the entire, like the Jews and the Christians are supposed to be people of the book. They're not supposed to be like the other infidels. Like they're supposed to be treated differently. They're just like, yeah, we just have different beliefs. Like this is a very part of the Quran that exists there. So like, like the, the, the evangelical Christians and the Muslims, like there should, it almost feels like there should be a unity, especially because like a lot of the moral values are actually similar to each other. Yeah. But like, but for some, like the the Christian right just pushes the Muslims, and I think largely due to nine eleven and stuff like this, which has a lot of foreign policy implications. Not even like necessarily religious implications, but foreign policy implications. Where the right just pushes the Muslims back into the liberal basket, right? And it's like that is such like a clear. It seems so clear to me. Like bring those people into your fold. You're, you're going to disagree on things theologically, but politically speaking, you guys are like in tandem with each other. Real, really. Well, to, to, to maybe raise a concern that might arise on the Christian right about Islam, right? Some people may say, oh, well, the fundamental religion of Islam wants to see the extermination of Christians. Like, but, what, the, but the thing is, is they, that true? Like the actual teachings in Islam is not the case. It's that Jews and Christians are people of the book and that they should be treated as if they are, they are people of the book. Like, like it's just like... Islam sees themselves as an adaptation, as like a new version that spawned itself out of Judy, like the Judeo-Christian ethic. And it's like this new thing, but it's just like, but, but we all follow the same base principles and we come from the Abrahamic religion. Mm. So it's a, it's a question of categorization from the Muslim perspective, but to give you like a sense of like the cultural impact of these categorizations, I got an article from Forbes 2014, Islamic state warns Christians convert Pay tax, leave, or die. Right. Convert, pay, pay tax. tax. The, the tax is specifically the jizya. Don't laugh. Jizya. <laughs> I can't believe you would think I I'm know. so shallow. Sorry. I'm, 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 We're children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is is the... It's a it's a referring to tax or trivia from people. Uh, it's referring to a specific tax of people from the book, specifically Jews and Christians. There's another like categorization called the Dimmi, D H I M M I, and I would love to be corrected by uh, Muslim scholars, scholars here, uh, but that that categorizes other groups of people, right? Such as uh, Zoroastrians or Hindus. So, well, like, there's like a couple of different categories, different tax rates. 
<laughs> right. And this is specifically within a caliphate, right? And this is within the kind of connection between Islamic religion and a jurisprudence for like a given social order. Well, well, and for instance, like the Jews in Palestine right now are, or sorry, the, the Palestinians are the Jews who converted and didn't leave <laughs> when the caliphate came in. Mm. Like that's, that's what a lot of like the actual genetics of it are is like they thousand years ago were Jews. A lot of them, but like, it's just like mixed in, like mixed between the Islamic and the Judaic, you know, like, I guess like it's more so the genetic side, not the religious side, but like they've just been over a thousand years. Is that, right. is that a component of like they're the people that just adapted? They decided to stay when Islam came in. If they converted from Judaism to for, Islam. For tax purposes, as, as Dave was saying. If they converted from Judaism to Islam, is that a component of the animosity between the two groups? There's like a feeling of betrayal there. Well, it seems more like the, the animosity is the people that left. All <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's difficult because I've heard both, right? I mean, I've heard some of it's like some people acknowledge that this is some people are like, there's a lot of religiosity around whether or not these are actually people from the uh, Arabian Peninsula that came in and occupied the land. Uh, there's kind of a mythos about that, but I don't think the genetic evidence suggests that. A, a, a lot um, of the Jews also went out to the Mongols and stuff like like the Jews spread out. It's called the diaspora. Sure. They, they spread out. It's it's a dispersing. Right. Happened. This is a common like these are narratives told about the state of Israel. Wow, we're getting deep on this, but I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's, the whiz, it's the whiskey. Four. It's the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother. He's like, I do not want to hear about this anymore. <laughs> He's like, please. We're playing please. with fire, drinking, and talking in. about religion. This yeah. is this is risky territory. We're just bro this talking is, philosophy dude, right now. That's like what we're doing. Christmas with my family, man. <laughs> <laughs> The larger point that we're trying to make is that there is a, there should be an alliance here. There is an alliance because of Palestine. And what I think, I think there's an ought versus a dichotomy, right? Kyle's saying, should there be the ought? Yes. These people should be far closer together as they was shown. The, the, the more, the moral culturally. frameworks of the two are much more in line than, right. than you like, and they shouldn't be as opposed and, as they are. You and they think. were in convergent yeah. convergence up until this most recent bout of violence between Israel and Hamas, in which case those are in divergence now because of the interpretation of what's happening there. Mm. And, and I think that's like the key takeaway in order to think through carefully about how to um, think of value systems as convergent divergent um, because specifically because Christians in America uniquely in the globe of Christians everywhere um, think about Israel as a state also as the biblical Israel. And that's just, that's just a, that's just, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's true. Christians in Indonesia do not see Israel the same way that American Christians do Christians in Europe, in uh, England, Africa, everywhere. Australia, all around the world. See this as just don't see this as what the same kind of throughput that American Christians do. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I think that was a, a really interesting deep dive that, that uh, yeah, I was not expecting either. Um, but in the interest of time, because we appreciate you for listening this far with us through this hilarious and fun uh, adventure. Strangely deep. Strangely deep. <laughs> also extremely irreverent and comical. Um, Merry Christmas. 
Merry Christmas to you, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, I just buddy. mean like this kind of got off the rails for a Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in this the is when I think season, we're at our best is when we're just free flowing. I agree. Talking about whiskey. stuff. We'll yeah. see what the reviews are. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell and drop. us in discord. Yeah. Right now it feels great. When people text me about it later, I don't know if it will feel as great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, uh, those of uh, those of you that aren't in the discord, feel free to drop us a comment or a review on your podcast platform of choice. Although if you think it's bad, then maybe just don't review us. Um, we have our message of holiday cheer. Well, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> call it cheer, but, um, but anti cheer opposite no, of cheer. No, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a heartwarming component here, but it's not necessarily cheerful, right? Because the holiday season for a lot of people can be a really tough time of year. Hmm. Um, I've had a couple of those kind of seasons myself. And I think we all have in some way, um, so let's go ahead and just lead it off with this video that inspired this conversation that we had within our discord and that uh, inspired us to talk about it today. Who do you call when you are at your lowest? Who is that one person? Nobody. I'm a man. No one cares. Not a single soul. Nobody. No one. Because I'm all alone. I think I speak for. Nobody, I'm a guy, nobody gives a shit. Speaking for the guys when I say this, literally no one. <laughs> Do y'all call someone? Nobody. Just nobody. No one's talking to nobody. No one. I'm a man. No one cares. No one. Not a single fucking person. I wouldn't call anyone. I wouldn't turn to a single person on this earth because they don't care. They will just find a way to use it against me. We, we, we can call somebody. I just thought nobody gave a fuck because I was a man. So, Ugh, right question. The question. Sincere? Being a little facetious? Where do we fall on this? Dude, I kind of feel that way. Some of those dudes, but when that guy says it'll just be used against me, there's like hurt there. Like you look at that guy and you're like, who hurt you? God damn. You need some real friends, dude. I feel bad for her. I, I, yeah. I'm like, I sympathize tremendous. I can't, I watch that and I'm like, what happened? Like, wait. The theme there was that so many of them said, nobody cares. What's that all about? Nobody cares that men have problems and or they just, ex- they're expected to just deal with it. I think this goes to show why there's been this rise in recent years of like these men figures um you know we had the alex jones clip earlier where but andrew tate was a part of that i think he's maybe the embodiment of what's happened with that in recent years especially like post-covid era where there's this like angst that exists among men right now of everything's there's, there's something about society right now where everything's different and it's like the role of a man is different and men are trying to figure out should we go back? Should we fit into the new role? What is the role? There's like a lot of like deep questions that exist around there from a sociological view right now, like big, big picture collective view of how society right now is like, everything's changed right now. And right now, a lot of men are feeling nihilistic because of this new role and they don't understand where they fit in. Cause it feels bad 
to be a man in current day society. Like it seems that way, right? Like you're kind of like pushed that way. You're supposed to feel bad about it because of the patriarchy or whatever, all these like nonsense left brain words that are used. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. There's a religion that there's exists. a religion around. It. There's a cult that is saying like, there's something intrinsically wrong with masculinity. Uh, that it isn't just toxicity that could be male or female, but rather toxic masculinity is a particular social phenomenon that we need to focus on um, as a as a as a particular expression of this cult. Um, and I mean that in a generous way. I mean that as a culture, part of our culture that says this um, with good or bad potential things. I was saying like, hey, where do most of the rapes come from? Where do most of the violence comes from? Almost all men. That's real. Have to reconcile with that. What is it about male nature that might create that? What do we have to harness? More importantly, what do we have to deploy that is fundamentally male? What is the energy of masculinity that we have to deploy to revitalize, to build, to make difference, to make a human future? Right? There's a, there's a reason why it's Elon Musk, Andrew Tate, and Alex Jones saying we need a, a revivified culture that builds something again, that makes something real, that's like fundamentally doesn't mean it can't include women, but that itself is a masculine enterprise that men will some of Oh, there's a something. I, there's a calling I could be a part of. There's something I can do. There's something that I can contribute to. There's some like thing I can produce that would like redeem the suffering of life. Um, that's like a fundamentally masculine question. It doesn't mean that women can't be part of that. Right? I'm really trying to answer this as cohesively as I can. Co- com- um, broadly as I can. So that, you know, women listen to this, even though most of our audience are men, um, don't feel like we're like leaving that out. But there's like this particular issue here that is like an identity crisis that you're pointing to for men that says your average guy doesn't have somebody to call when they have a problem. And it seems mostly in our ge- in our generation, like I feel like there's a revitalization that's happening with Gen Z right now. But like us as millennials, like I'm late millennial, you're early millennial. We kind of like I think we have like the millennial demographic across this entire podcast right now, right? right. Where like uh, there does seem to be a resurgence, and frankly, a lot of these figures, the Andrew Tates of the world. I think are really inspiring the younger demographic, the Gen Zers of like reversing things. But like millennials are very much that lost generation right now. Well, being millennials is are millennials talking to younger men. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And he takes my age. Yeah. And he's, yeah. He's, late 30s. He's, he's, he's like early thirties. Mm. He's like 33, 34 or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. So like, I, I, I definitely think that there's, there's something to this video that's grabbing is, you know, it's again, grappling with the meme space of the internet right now. Like these are TikTok trends of talking about these things. But I think that there's some nuggets of truth that exist in here is like a lot of men feel this way right now. They feel like they can't go to anybody. They feel like they can't, you know, like they feel misplaced in society. Like society doesn't allow them to exist and how they're like almost like their biology feels like they should exist right now. And so they don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's like a, there's a component of this that, sorry, Joe, I don't know if I want to jump oh. in there, but there's a component of this that is very like, there's, you're not really, yeah. Is it that it's taboo? Men aren't supposed to say this? Aren't supposed to be able to yeah. society like, will, reach out and society like say will like, for it, right? I have a problem. It's like, well, is, is that a thing? It, it, I, I get, 
I didn't, when I first watched this, I didn't get the sense, but I'm getting the sense right now, just intuitively, that there's something about this that is unmasculine. And yeah. is that what we mean when we say toxic masculinity? That there isn't a way to, that, that our definition of masculinity is too rigid and we need one that allows for someone to say, I got a fucking problem and I really need to call someone and ask for help. I, I hate that term, toxic masculinity. I know it's, it's such a it's such me too. A me too. I only term. I only use it because I'm saying trying to articulate that there's something wrong that that we need to broaden or or rescape the way we think of what it means to be male in a way that encapsulates both the virtues and the vices. That's the sociological push is that there needs to be a rescaping of what it means. So like there becomes this question, like we talk about all these different sciences, like you have kind of like the hard sciences and the, and the social sciences where like the evolutionary biology and psychology seems pretty clear and it seems pretty hard to change that. But like a lot of the social science around sociology and how things are changing because of how society has changed. Because frankly, I actually think a lot of the, the, the problems that men are facing right now is because women have changed so much. We mm-hmm. have the introduction of like the birth control pill. We have like abortions on demand, all these things. It's very much changing the dynamic of the gender dynamics right now. And so it's leaving this like empty void that exists right here where people are confused. And it's like, we're in this experimental phase of human development like the last 60 years are completely different from a human developmental standpoint compared to all the thousands and thousands of years prior. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. And we have a burgeoning like within the last couple of years of the dynamic when it comes to employment, when it comes to dating, when it comes to like single life and relationships where women are far more likely to be college graduate than men. Yeah. Far more likely this to is an interesting stat, you know, like the, um, income and the way income relates to attraction between men and women, how that, that disperses itself. Lots of phenomena that are kind of total up to where do men sit in our social order? How do they obtain social status in a way that isn't seen as toxic, right? By the larger culture and allows them to realize their potential and, become what they feel like they need to become in order to feel connection with the larger social order. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I think there's any myriad of reasons that, that might precipitate men feeling this way. Um, and it's going to be different from every, for every individual. Um, I think there, I mean, there's obviously the predisposition for men culturally in our society to feel like they have to be stoic. They have to just, grit their teeth and get through it um that that to express weakness or vulnerability is an expression of lack of masculinity or you know it's 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 that opportunity to have that used against you as the one guy said and i think i think some men legitimately can manage that way and i think that you spoke about the generational differences here i mean i think like our father's generation is probably much more in the, the mind frame of, of that stoicism or of some, some manner of, of that, just being able to deal with it and, and, and move on because they have very different social dynamics at play, you know, through their, their, uh, maturation than we do as, as millennials or then gen, gen Z do. Um, but honestly, I, I take issue with this and this is, you know, probably going to sound insensitive, 
but I feel that that this sort of perspective is just an extension of victimhood culture. Hmm. It's in some ways men's uh, way of of incorporating themselves into a marginalized class just to just to you know get the same treatment or the same sympathy as as everyone else who has something wrong with them or has been wronged by society. To me, it's 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 completely disempowering, and you know, like there's the saying, you have to put your own oxygen mask on yourself before you can put one on someone else, right? You have to figure out whatever it is that you love about yourself. You have to learn how to do that before you can possibly extend that to your community, and that is what the world needs from men right now: is strength that that can be used as a, a means of pacifying chaos, bringing order to chaos, right? And to, uh, to, to protect the things about our society, about civilization that we care about. I mean, that's men's archetypal role throughout all of human history, right? And there's a lot of Jordan Peterson reference in what you're saying right there too, which, which is another one of these people that has really inspired a lot of young men, especially in the early days of his fame. I feel like it's fallen off quite a bit in recent years that's kind of like one of our best clips on tiktok is me talking about how he's the socrates right of but like i actually think that he's actually kind of fallen away from his role in recent years for a lot of reasons i think there's a lot of reasons for that yeah but uh but like he did end up being this inspirational figure of being like men like i mean his audience was probably like 95 percent men right absolutely <laughs> right? it was like and i mean i think that i can speak for everyone at this table and saying that he i mean he played a profound role in me getting through one of the darkest times of my adult life uh i mean it was it was pivotal and and what it was that i took from that time and what you know his books had to offer me was that if I'm in control of my own life and my own destiny, I have to actually take action to care for myself, right? Rule number two, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. So to these men who, and to any men out there who feel isolated, who feel alone, I would say, take action. There are communities out there, just a stone's throw from you of people who, who will care and do care. And you need to make it your mission if you're in this place to align yourself and surround yourself with people that actually really care about you and rule number three from jordan peterson's book make friends with people who want the best for you to the guy who has people in his life who would use his vulnerability against him fuck those people move on do do something better for yourself and find better people the, the hard part about a lot of this though too is there's a social pressure that exists of like there, there seems to be this pressure in larger society that's like, no, you shouldn't do that. And I actually think one of the things towards your points is we, we live in this postmodern dynamic, which is very put into the culture of like universities and stuff. Like you have all these academics here that are saying like everything that of like that picking yourself up by the bootstraps and just like doing what you have to do. Like that is part of the patriarchal system that we have to dismantle. Right. And so like, the, the idea of like the traditional masculinity of like following the hero's journey and going through the arc and the archetypal journey that Jordan Peterson wants is it's very in conflict with society at large right now. Well, it's, right? it's in conflict with the anti-human component yeah, of society I, I actually, I that think wants very to true. tear yeah. down civilization and the pro-human components of society are not in opposition to that because they recognize that there is an 
essence and necessity to that role. True. That's disrespected by all, the other side. All true, but I want to modify this a little bit. Sure. You can say to somebody, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. But that doesn't, it doesn't fundamentally answer a key question that I think is begged by the video, but unanswered, which is that the individual phenomena versus the aggregate, the individual phenomena of how people express and in, in, in live through culture is in itself culture, right? So you're kind of saying that individual needs to accelerate themselves, step up beyond. Totally fine with that. Make your, clean your room, sure. make your bed, et cetera. Those Stand sorts of advice. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Absolutely. And yet, that doesn't mean that the larger culture itself isn't the apple barrel that you're in that itself is corrosive to men embodying masculinity. I wouldn't disagree with that one bit. And if we are going to say that there is a fundamental hypocrisy, there's a contradiction in our culture that says you are supposed to realize your potential. You're supposed to realize your true self if you're female. But if you're male, you better register for the draft. Right. If you're male, you better be ready to, you better, you better be just the fact that men, you know, serve longer sentences for the same crime as women. That's not an important statistic. The men do more dangerous jobs and the men die more readily. All these things yeah. that these are things that you should ignore sure. in our culture. And you shouldn't men have actually, a higher suicide rate. Yeah. You shouldn't make the nobility of men virtuous because that would be to oppress women. Right. These, I know you're are, not saying that. Right. I but I'm saying like there's, um, there's a way of blaming the victim here that says that men should not criticize their larger culture and said they should be men and step up and, and change it. And it's like, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like the way we change cultures by men stepping up and saying, no, I'm not going to be the statistic. No, I'm not. I'm going to embody the virtues I want to see and the values I want to see in my culture. But there's also like in doing that, you need to, at some point, articulate that our culture needs to allow people to say, hey, it's okay to be me. <laughs> right? I'm yes. not ashamed of being white and male and masculine. Yes. And that, and that part of that, that is, that is in, in that fabric of our culture does matter. And, and we don't want to, I know you're not trying to do this. And I don't think Jordan Peterson is trying to do this or any of these things. So this is a kind of like, the criticism of this, I don't think actually gets to the holistic, the yin to the yang of this question that you're both being and becoming at the same time. Like you're both realizing your potential while you try to change the culture. And we have to both say, it is okay to say, Hey man, I'm having a hard time right now. And giving that buddy a call, you know, that that vulnerability isn't unmasculine, that that ability to say, and I'm not trying to say that you should celebrate it or you should make it a virtue. That's not at all masculine. Making weakness a virtue is not masculine by definition. But that does not mean a man should not call out and say, I'm having a hard time this Christmas, man. And that is- I need some company. Absolutely you know, true. Or I might, my alternator's out in my car and I need a jump. You know, those sorts of things. If you don't have that in your life, you should actually go out and get that. But that doesn't, shouldn't mean that we can't criticize larger culture and say we treat men like disposable drones- for a larger culture that doesn't give a shit about them. And then we say, hey, you're an incel if you criticize it. <laughs> you know, you can't get laid as like the, the core, like gonna cut you right in the throat, right in the heart. You can't get a woman as the highest virtue that you could accomplish. When there's gotta be something more to that. There's gonna be something more to life than just that question. And we, and we, don't, we don't answer that. We just kind of like leave the question there and then we kind of leave people, oh, I'll go figure it out, dude man male 
And I, and I don't know, I see a tremendous amount of suffering and I, and I, and I can't, I can't look at the men in my life that I see suffering that are struggling in this dating culture in this society in the social order and just say, well, just pick yourself up by your root And that's the only thing there, God, there's something else. And it has something to do with the way that our cultural elites have led us down a path that is, that has set them up to fail. Could not agree with that more. And I want to be very, very clear that I'm not suggesting that it's possible right. for someone to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And that's not what I'm suggesting men go out and do. Mm. I'm suggesting you go out and find a group of men who will pull you up by your bootstraps mm. because no one, no one of us got to where we are in our lives today without other people helping us get here. Right. We're not going to get to where we're fulfilling our greatest potential without the help and service of other people, nor will they get where they're going without us. To me, what I'm saying is in this season, more than any, because it, it, it is one that is so about being together and enjoying company, find community, like seek that out. You can't necessarily, you can, you can rally against a culture that seeks to marginalize you and you can call out the, the wrongful criticisms and, and the ways that, that society treats men that are unfair, and, and we should. We should identify those things, and we should work to fix them. But also, in your personal life, you need to focus, we all need to focus on building stronger communities around ourselves and each other, because no one's going to do it for you. No one will do it for you. And so there is, there is sort of this, this paradox of, uh, of chicken and the egg. You know, but but really it does come down to, and I think the most masculine component of this is action. You have to just find that spark, that genesis spark within yourself of figuring out what you're going to do next. Put one foot in front of the other, make, make a call, right? Go somewhere, talk to somebody, something. And if you're someone who is in a stable place, and I think this is even more important, if you are in a place where you feel solid and you have a community and you have a network and you you recognize that there might be people around you who don't reach out because that can be, that can make the difference. That can hundred percent make the difference. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've talked to a few male friends down from like suicidal thoughts in the past and often the ideas around them, like they're, they're actually quite logical. Like when it comes down to a lot of people, like a lot of people think that a lot of people are very irrational when they think, but when, when they're going through it quite logically of like, why should I end my life? It ends up being luckily none of them actually have, but it, it a lot of it kind of comes around this dynamic because I don't feel like I have a place in this world. I don't feel like there's anything here for me. I feel like society has changed around me. I feel like there's nothing here for me, and everything feels meaningless. And typically, what I've found is the best solution um, has been this more like absurdist Albert Camus type of approach, which is like. Yeah, maybe everything's meaningless. Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's kind of like your duty to actually create something in that space and try to make it, even if everything is meaningless, maybe maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe people are delusional about their, their, the meaning that they find in their life. Maybe. But maybe it's, up, maybe it's on your part right now to find something that gives you, you yourself meaning in this moment. And that, that seems to be that that's been the best answer to a lot of people that I've come across that are much more in this like loneliness, male suicidal thought realm right now is something along those lines. 
Uh, my favorite, if you really want to get your arms around it, I mean, obviously, the Jordan Peterson stuff, 12 rules for life, all that kind of stuff. But if you've done that and you really want to operationalize uh, beyond that in terms of your inner psychology and how to orientate your inner background, your history, is uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy by uh, Dr. Um, what's his name? Robert Glover. Uh, it's a great book to just get um, men specifically to start thinking carefully about what what needs they have and what they want to change about their lives and the kind of inclinations and patterns of behavior that many men will wind up with where they just become functionally nice guys. They become guys who are just slowly first to their first compromise is just trying to appease everyone in their life and just trying to become the guy that's just super nice as if that will get them the love that they really want as opposed to being agents in the world. Mm-hmm. Niceness is an opposed to agency. It's like, it's in contrast with agency. Like your agency is a thing that allows you to say, no, fuck you. That's not the repair I asked for on my car. And when you're in the repair shop and you're trying to scam me and I'm going to say no, and I don't care. I don't give a fuck if you're going to hit me. I'm going to tell you no. Like that moment of standing for yourself and meaning something and like having an identity that you are willing to stake your welfare on is different than niceness. And we virtuize and valorize niceness in men as opposed to saying, no, no, actually what we need are men who are redeeming our culture and are willing to stand up for themselves to redeem themselves first before they can like oxygen mask uh, argument. Well, that's a, that's a very slave morality take is like just being nice for nice sake. Right? Yes. And it's very Nietzschean too. Like, it's, it's like very Nietzschean that idea. like super passivity, that inability to have energy behind your identity and who you are. You need to have vitalism Beta. behind everything you do. <laughs> Don't well, be, and you, you got to be Beta. alpha, alpha or sigma. Like sig- sigma is the other like internet meme oh, space I thing, hate right? Sigma. Right. But like it's it's the same thing of like having right. actual agency in your world versus just letting the world push you around, which would be the yes, beta Jesse Lee Peterson type of thing. Betas. Right <laughs> um, Don't be that. And, and it's and like trying to bring us out of like the hey, you know, call someone if you're lonely, if you're hard or having a hard time this holiday season. But beyond that, like that there's something about this time of year that brings us out because it is in contrast to the way some of the people have found their life. And so if you find yourself in that situation, call someone, but also be willing to actually make the sacrifices to change where you're about, what you're in, the situation you're in uh, to make it better. Well, when some elements, some elements of what those guys in that video were saying is true. Like for a lot of men, it is true that a lot of people just don't care. You kind of just got to do it anyways. Like whatever you're doing, like that is kind of like the role traditional masculinity has had. And that is like the traditional role of like the hero arc in the Joseph Campbell sense of like, sometimes you just got your duty and you got to do it. And people aren't going to give the recognition that you deserve. Like it, it might feel meaningless, but there is kind of just like a thing is like, this is your duty to do in this moment. Like, so like even in that, like there are some nuggets of truth that exist there. Right. Yeah. Um, but like they're taking a very pessimistic approach for sure. And you can take a much more like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Right. Uh, another book. If you're looking for some reading on this topic, uh, the obstacle is the way Ryan Holiday. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, if you don't have people you think you can call or people that you can hang out with then go to church. Well, there's an element too of like talking about the societal influence. Like, do we want to play the Will Ferrell clip here of what he was saying of like, because I I think that this is, this is indicative of the cultural side of things of why men might feel so displaced. Like there's no room for them 
because we had this Will Ferrell clip that is here. Do we want? I, to I think we yeah, say people at the know. time of yeah, suffering it's, it's Will Ferrell and yeah, just tell him that he thinks the that women should run the world, and it's just another drop in the bucket of uh, anti patriarchy uh perspective and there's like and there's plenty simpiness of to it that's so embodying of it and like i get what you're saying kyle like we, we could t- play it it's only 34 seconds but it's beta yeah but it's like <laughs> <laughs> my my case here you know like not that we think fr- women shouldn't run the world that's great yeah. whatever just, as long as you're the best as long as by merit but <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said it the single guy over here all right so charles bukowski all the way are you familiar with this poem I read this poem to my son, a kid version of it. Um, If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, or maybe even your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision. It could mean mockery, isolation. Isolation is a gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it despite the rejection and worst odds. And it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You will be alone with the gods and the nights will flame with fire. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It is the only good fight there is. I can't imagine a more masculine poem to like articulate the masculine spirit, that there's certain things that are worth the isolation. There are certain things that are worth going out on that bridge to go and discover outside the boundaries of acceptable dominion to fight the thing and bring it back, that there's an isolation that is necessarily inherent in that. But you are not meant to be just alone, right? And you can build, as you said, the group, the culture, the society, the, the social order, the, the group of guys who are there to support you and to build that. And like people who consciously build that, I think are always in a better circumstance to go actually and go out and slay these dragons and do the things that they need to do than men who literally think that they're going to do this all completely on their own. It requires isolation. It requires going out and pushing against the crowd. It requires all these things to redeem our culture. But it's but but it, it is a thing that is necessarily in contrast to the indomitable spirit of the individual to do so as you build a culture around you of other people who are with you. Well, I, I think a maybe a throughput on this entire episode. We've talked a lot about cultural issues. Is is the meme of like strong men be, build good times, good times create weak men, weak men create, you know, weak times, weak men create strong men. Like that cycle that exists right there is it seems to, you know, it's, it is a meme, but I think there's a lot of truth that's layered in there, right? Of right now we're in this like weird time frame in society where everything's super chaotic, everything's super strange and like a lot of the men right now are trying to figure out Oh, where's my place right now? Maybe I can create something new. Maybe I should just be nihilistic and fall back and just fall into the poor times, you know? And like, that seems to be the choice that is being made right now of like, where do you stand in this crucial transitionary moment that we exist in right now? And and in there lies meaning that could be the purpose of your life, right? Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Really appreciate you gentlemen for being a part of this thing that we've done for an entire year 
speaking to making decisions and committing to things and yeah. grinding it out. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we look forward to another year bringing you better and better content. We appreciate you so much for watching. We appreciate Bennett and we appreciate Evan who was, was on the crew with us this year. Uh, even though he was replaced by AI, we still love you and you're welcome back anytime. And uh, yeah, have a, have a very wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Thank Peace. you. Cheers guys to one year, 52 episodes. Thanks for tuning in to human reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash human reaction pod. 